Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing too, because having a home is hard work. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. Geico.com. Easy. This week, a lot of us are going to get our holiday shopping start. Why don't you treat yourself to the ultimate wrestling gift this holiday season through this Monday, you can sign up for a full year's membership to adfreeshows.com at a 10% discount. Plus get an exclusive comic book of your favorite superhero podcast host. This comic book can't be bought anywhere else. The only way to get it is to become an annual member of adfreeshows.com. Sign up or upgrade at adfreeshows.com. Okay. Stop what you're doing. Listen very, very carefully. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. Oh, she's beautiful, classy. She's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People just can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. And she's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring, and it takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye-flawless, near-colorless, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista's available. She's ready for love, and she's ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one-carat round brilliant diamond is only $3,198. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus, free shipping, and get this, 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only, or you can go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love engagement ring. Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. I got up this morning, and Diamond Dallas Page, many of you probably know this, maybe some people that are listening to the show don't, but he is the most obsessive Christmas person that I know. Yeah. Um, he just loves Christmas. So his thing now, because I told, you know, we were talking the other day and I said, yeah, we're going down to visit the family for Christmas, but it's just Lori and I, you know, told him that, you know, we weren't going to do anything with family over Thanksgiving. So he took it upon himself to send me a Christmas video every day. Um, of, you know, all the decorations he's having, all the stuff that he's doing. Uh, so I start my day every day with a Diamond Ellis Page Christmas greeting by video, which is kind of fun. Sounds like torture. It's not. You know, part of it is you got to know DDP because he's, like I said, he's so obsessed. And he always has been. You know, when, when he lived down the street from me in uh, Atlanta, his house, I mean, you could see it from the space station. I mean, that and the, the Great Wall of China were the two things that astronauts orbiting the Earth got to enjoy. Uh, he was so over the top. And he had great Christmas parties, by the way. 
a lot of, he had a lot of great Christmas parties. So it's fun. It kind of brings me back and puts me in the Christmas spirit, whereas I might not otherwise be. We're going to be doing something pretty fun today here on the show. That's going to put you, uh, in the spirit. We're going to be <laughs> watching Monday night raw. And this feels like, uh, I don't know, maybe almost like a nightmare situation. It's Christmas time. It's the holiday season and you get fired from your job. You don't just get fired. Like at the end of a day on a Friday in the boss's office, just you and he, you get fired in front of a worldwide audience, not just a sold out crowd, tens of thousands of people, but millions of people watching at home. And he doesn't just hand you a sheet of paper or as you like to do, send him a FedEx. No, no, <laughs> he, he's going to make a spectacle of it, scream and shout, and then have you thrown into a garbage truck. And we're going to watch it today. Any painful memories of this or. I guess really the pain was probably the inside of that garbage truck, huh? No, you know what? It's, it's funny. I was listening to Christy Olson, who is the host of the after 83 week show that we do on YouTube. And I listened to an interview she did last week where she was talking about her experiences getting terminated at WWE. And I, you know, I don't, I'm not really commenting on that because everybody has their own, you know, reaction to things like that. Um, but, you know, she detailed how she got escorted out of WWE headquarters by security uh, or, or people assigned to her to make sure she got out the door and things like that. And it, that, I understand that, you know, look, in a corporate environment, there's protocols and policies and things in place. And even though it's uncomfortable, you know, it's a big publicly held corporation. So you more or less have to do things according to certain protocols that are set forth. And, and it hurt her, you know, she, she, if she was very taken aback by that whole process, um, that ain't nothing getting to, to compared to getting thrown in a garbage truck after I've been FU'd by John Cena. Um, but it, it was fun. And I can't wait to talk about how this was all set up and things like that. But you no, know, the inside of the garbage truck was not bad. They sterilized it, steam cleaned it. It was probably, you know, the cleanest garbage truck you know, in the country at that given moment, unless one was coming off the assembly line, you could probably have done, you know, a minor surgery inside of that garbage truck and just been fine. So the guy, the inside of the garbage truck was no big deal. Well, boys and girls fire up your WWE network. We are doing a watch along, but we've got, uh, some news and notes to hit before we actually click play there. Uh, this show is from December 5th, 2005. So I'm going to encourage you to pull up the network, go over to raw, which is across the top. Uh, click that and then select 2005 from the drop down. You shouldn't have to go too far and you'll see December 5th. The show has a one hour, 32 minute runtime, but before we start watching the show and just getting Eric's observations, I do want to bring up some news and notes. Unfortunately, one of the biggest pieces is that Eddie Guerrero passed away, uh, November 13th, 2005. He was found unconscious in his hotel room at the Marriott hotel in Minneapolis. His nephew Chavo discovered him. And in a 2020 interview for the documentary dark side of the ring that vice aired here in America, Chavo explained that Eddie had passed out in the hotel bathroom with a toothbrush in his hand and was barely clinging to life. When Chavo discovered him, uh, ultimately Eddie was pronounced dead upon the paramedics arriving at the scene. He was only 38 years old and the autopsy revealed that Guerrero died of, uh, acute heart failure due to some underlying cardiovascular disease. But this is uh horrible news. Anytime you lose a big talent 
or anyone that you are, are friends with or a coworker with, but man, Eddie Guerrero touched a lot of lives and a lot of wrestling fans became familiar with Eddie Guerrero because of you, you gave him a shot in WCW and man, he did the rest all on his own. And he has a story unlike anybody else. You're with the company in this era. What do you remember about his, his passing and the tribute shows that followed on both raw and SmackDown? It was devastating. Um, no, no doubt about it. It, it, it didn't seem like it could be true, you know, when I first heard it initially, but then you, you know, you think about, you know, the, the, the lifestyle, the, the challenges of being on the road, the enhancements that people use to deal with injuries and keep themselves in shape and things like that. And I hate to say it this way, but you're shocked, but not surprised, but it doesn't mitigate the sense of loss and sadness. You know, I, Eddie and I had this really unique relationship, I guess it was unique to me, but it was, you know, Eddie was a intense, passionate, in some ways, a perfectionist. And, and, you know, all of those qualities, I think, are absolutely necessary to become a top-level performer. If you're not intense, if you're not extremely passionate, um, it's unlikely that you're ever going to get as far as maybe you, you dream about. Well, Eddie had all of that. But the downside of that is, you know, you have moments when um, perhaps you react to things maybe a little bit too much. And, Eddie, and I'm maybe not as intense as Eddie or as passionate as Eddie was, but, you know, I'm especially, you know, in WCW, I had some of those same qualities, whether they're good or bad, I had them. And you get two people like that together. And, you know, the infamous story where the narrative was that I threw coffee on Eddie Guerrero in a heated debate, not quite that, not, not quite true, but it's close. Um, But then we could go out, you know, after the show or see each other after the show in the hotel and give each other a big hug and it's on with business. And I, I, I miss that. I miss Eddie. He was so passionate. And when I got to WWE, one of the first, I remember one of the first nights that I was there after the show, I got to the hotel and the hotel bar was uh, right off the lobby. And I could see that there was a bunch of WWE talent there. So Uh, You know, I stopped in the bar and Eddie invited me over to the table and there was probably eight or 10 people there already. And Eddie and I talked openly in front of everybody. And he was, he, he talked about how appreciative he was of the opportunities he got at WCW. You know, there were certain situations that Eddie found himself in where I think I went above and beyond what he expected, at least in terms of taking care of him and making sure he didn't have to worry about his income while he was, you know, rehabbing. He got into a car wreck specifically, not not any kind of drug rehab or anything, but he he got into a pretty severe car wreck. And I think his contract was just about up or we had been discussing a new contract or something. And I think Eddie was of the mind that I was going to, you know, stop the, the renewal conversation and wait till he got healthy before we picked it up back up again. And I did the exact opposite. I executed the agreement that we had agreed upon before he got into the wreck. And I'm not saying this to make myself sound like a good guy, because there were times when I wasn't such a good guy. But, 
you know, in this particular case, Eddie never forgot that. And he made sure I never forgot that. And, and he would thank me often, um, couple months, you know, apart, he would remind me that he hadn't forgotten. And I think that was Eddie's way of recognizing that although we had a volatile relationship at times, it was a positive one that, that he was grateful for. So, and it made me feel good. You know, it's often, it's difficult sometimes when you get into headlong debates and arguments and, and you're at loggerheads with someone that you have respect for and that you like, but business is business. And, Sometimes those situations are really uncomfortable and you hope that whoever it is you were dealing with, you know, looks at things in the bigger picture down the road. And Eddie did, you know, and, and he was not afraid to express it. Eddie was a very expressive person on a personal basis. He had no qualms about coming up and giving you a hug in front of a bunch of people and things like that. Not just the, you know, requisite wrestler's handshake. You know, he meant it. Eddie was a great guy. And I, I still miss him to this day. You know, I run into Chavo's with Chavo on Chris Jericho's cruise last year, last January. And Chavo and I spent some time together talking about Eddie as we, as you would expect. Um, but in a very positive way. And, and even Chavo, you know, reminded me how Eddie felt, you know, and it makes you feel good. It does. That's a great story. And, and thank you for reminding us of it. Whether you own or rent, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to geico.com today. There's never been a better time to go to savewithconrad.com than right now. We make saving money fast and easy, but don't take my word for it. Ask Frankie Kazarian in California. Wait, the Frankie Kazarian? Yeah, the Frankie Kazarian. You know, one half of the first ever AEW tag team champions as a part of SCU. Yeah, the Frankie Kazarian you see on TNT on AEW Dynamite every single Wednesday night. The Frankie Kazarian got hooked up at SaveWithConrad.com. He left us a five-star review and had this to say: Conrad, Jimmy, and the team were all beyond. Conrad, Jimmy, and the team were all beyond a delight to do business with. We wanted to do some major renovations and additions to our home that made this process incredibly easy and comfortable for us. They were always there to answer any questions we had and help us every step of the way. I cannot recommend them enough. Their professionalism is second to none, and they were a pleasure to do business with Frankie Kazarian. Well, thank you, Mr. Kazarian, for the five-star review. I hope you and the missus enjoy turning your house into your home. Frankie knew what to do. He went to SaveWithConrad.com. He told his old mortgage company, SCU Later. How about this? When you go to SaveWithConrad.com, you're going to realize that you're currently in the worst mortgage you've ever been in. SaveWithConrad.com can help, though. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention no house payments for two months? We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you don't need perfect credit. So if we can't save you cash, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free, just like Frankie did, at SaveWithConrad.com. The, um, the result of his passing is going to be a whole new discussion about drugs. Vince McMahon actually brought both rosters together before the raw tapings and announced that within two weeks, a new comprehensive drug policy would be put into effect quote performance, enhancing drugs, such as steroids, et cetera, recreational drugs, as well as abuse of prescription drugs will be banned. That was all from the WWE website. Uh, in addition to the new drug testing procedure, there will also be an emphasis on cardiovascular examinations. 
events at the meeting said he wanted to get the word out to them personally before they started hearing rumors on the street. And he said, they'd been looking into this process recently and it was bound to happen. He said the policy would be very strict, but he's open to any suggestions anyone might have. And he said an independent company would be in charge of testing and neither himself nor the office would have anything to do with it. Anyone with a full-time contract with the company is eligible for testing. And he asked if there were any questions and the room went dead silent. He said he knew there were a million things running through their head and there was nervous laughter. Kurt Angle finally asked about testing for prescription medication and whether they could determine if someone was actually abusing. And uh, Meltzer would say, keep it, or the torch rather, would say, keep in mind, Angle has said on the record, not a day goes by where he doesn't pop pain pills. Vince basically said he'd get a printout from the testing company that would list what someone took, when they took it, and whether they were abusing it. He said it would be a relatively simple matter to determine if someone was abusing something. The policy, he said, would be very fair, and that it would be the same across the board for everyone, promising no special considerations. Someone asked if it would be random, and he said yes, and relatively frequently. He said there would be programs set up to help those with problems. He said some of the folks might have been around when they did this the first time, making reference to the early 90s steroid scandals. And the difference here was this time, he'd be the second person to know. The testing company would inform the talent first, then Vince, and there would be nothing he could do about it at that point. No ifs, ands, or buts. And this is a major story that is obviously going to have enormous ramifications on the entire industry and, uh, the torch almost said Meltzer again, Wade would write, make no mistake about it. Whether you, whatever you think of Vince McMahon, he's dead serious about the issue this week. True. He's given us very little reason to have faith in years past, but this time it's different. How different we won't know for many weeks or months. And for how long is another issue entirely. You were a part of the company when he has this meeting. What do you remember about this meeting with Vince? And did you feel like, well, this is a real paradigm shift for the company. I was a part of the meeting. Um, I mean, you've covered it. Wade covered it pretty accurately. Um, what was I thinking? You know, and this is personal. This isn't professional. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on podcasts or anything like that, but obviously, you know, I, I've, was involved in the business for quite a while. I've learned, you know, I've unfortunately, you know, too many people that either worked with me for me in WCW or afterwards, you know, have all, many of them have died because not necessarily because of steroids. Although I think in Eddie's case, again, I'm not playing doctor here. Um, but if I would have had to guess, there was, you know, a fair amount of use, probably abuse of testosterone, which, you know, we often hear when, unfortunately, when someone, you know, particularly in wrestling dies or bodybuilding or any other sport, you know, the, the cause of death is heart failure. Nobody really goes into too much detail, nor should they, um, or is it necessary, but, you know, just common sense, you know, your heart is a muscle, just like your triceps and your biceps and your delts and your pecs and all the other things that everybody works so hard to to build and improve, but in an enlarged heart, you know, I, I think the medical term for it is cardiomyopathy or congestive cardiomyopathy or something like that. But, you know, you, while your body's getting, you know, you're born, you know, you're, you're born with a bone structure. You're born with certain genetics that, you know, it is what it is. It's your roadmap for life. And you can alter that. You can, you know, 
in, in a safe way and in an unsafe way. And I think for a long time, people have abused testosterone, you know, it occurs naturally in your body. And right now today, you know, t- testosterone is pretty easily available back in probably 2005 and 2019 in the, in the 90s. Testosterone was hard to get, not so much anymore. And, and you can get testosterone and use testosterone if it's prescribed by a doctor who watches over and is really careful about dosages and things like that. You get consistent blood testing to indicate any issues. But when you're using it or abusing it, testosterone specifically, well, yeah, you're look, you look great. Your body's getting bigger. You're leaning on all the, you know, obvious physical attributes that, that occur when you're using steroids or excuse me, using testosterone specifically. And I have no idea what, what Eddie was or wasn't doing. I could be dead wrong about this, by the way, I want to be really clear. I have no inside information. I'm just giving you an opinion based on what I've seen throughout a couple decades, but you start looking at the patterns of people that, that die and taking a look at that physique, you know, you want to take a look at ultimate warrior. You want to take a look at anybody, you know, many people, I should say, not anybody, many people. And you start connecting a couple dots. And I think people forget, especially when you're in that, when you're in that groove and you're on the road and you're at the top of the card or aspiring to be, you know, you, you may be doing everything else, right. Your nutrition may be great. You may be working out, you know, getting good cardiovascular workouts and things like that. But in the meantime, your heart is expanding in your in your chest, just like everything on the outside is you're, you're affecting the muscles on the inside and the heart being one of them. And I think that's, I'm guessing that that probably contributed to, to Eddie's issue. And I think during the course of that meeting or during that meeting, you know, you probably, everybody reacted to that in a different way. So there were people that didn't use steroids or didn't use any drugs, maybe recreationally, you know, marijuana and things like that. But in terms of the type of drugs that can really kill you ultimately, and in, in my experience, Vicodin, Soma, when I say Vicodin, Oxycontin in that same category, Percocet, whatever your whatever your opiate of choice is. Yes, you could get those legally. Yes, and especially back in you know 2005, they were easy to get. You know, there were pain clinics all over the state of Florida. Uh, every shady doctor that still held a license, you know, moved to Florida, opened up a pain clinic, and I personally. You know, I had my hand operated on several years ago and my doctor, you know, prescribed me Vicodin and, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm impervious to pain, but I have a really, really high threshold for it. And that's just a genetic thing. It's not a tough guy thing. It's just a genetic thing. But I said, okay, you know, because I had a, it was a pretty extensive surgery, by the way. I've, to this day, I've got a scar that goes from the my middle knuckle on my little finger, my right hand, all the way down to my wrist. Um, and it looked horrible. You know, I thought it was a pretty in, intensive surgery. And I got out and I got a prescription for like 60 Vicodin. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of vice. And I had dabbled recreationally. I, you know, I'm no saint, you know. The famous, you know, in a wrestling locker room, when you said starter kit, everybody kind of knew what that was, which was, you know, a Vicodin or two, depending on your tolerance and size, 
with a little mini thin that you could buy over the counter or a couple mini thins that you could buy over the counter at any 7-Eleven or convenience store anywhere. It's all caffeine. Uh, and maybe a, a, a beer or two as a chaser. And you were on a pretty good roll. You know, that was, that, that was a pretty common cocktail and combination. And, and, and I've done it too, you know, illegally and illicitly. So I'm not throwing stones at anybody. But when you start doing that in, you know, massive quantities in a consistent quantity, and then you combine that with alcohol, those are the two, I think, primarily the, the combination of things that have, you know, unfortunately led to the death of a lot of people is abuse of, of opiates, alcohol, and stimulants. Puts a tremendous amount of stress on your body, tremendous amount of stress on your body. People don't realize, I don't mean to go off on some kind of a medical clinic here, but again, because this is an important topic and, and, and unfortunate and fortunately, you know, the WWE, you can be critical, you can say whatever you want to say, but they've done a great job in, in, in an industry where rampant abuse of not necessarily illegal drugs that you buy from some drug dealer on a street corner. It's not like heroin. This is stuff that comes from doctors who write prescriptions. And I, I could go off on an entirely different tangent that would take us three hours to get through on that subject. But that was the issue was prescription drugs and alcohol and the abuse of it and the, and the stress that it put on your system. Now add to that, someone who's been abusing testosterone rather than taking, you know, a, a prescribed dose of tes testosterone. If you happen to be getting it from a legitimate doctor who's really monitoring your process, if you doctor shop and do a couple of different things, and now you're able to take two or three times, you know, the dose of testosterone that's safe and healthy for you. Now you're, now your heart is growing and growing and growing all while you're, Pound, you're pounding your body and stressing your body with Vicodin or Percocets or whatever your opiate of choice is and copious amounts of alcohol, which by the way, really fucks up your liver. When you mix alcohol and Vicodin, you're, when that metabolizes, it's the physiological equivalent of you know, running shards of you know, broken glass through your liver. It has a tremendously devastating effect on your liver. But you don't know that when you're young, you're on a road, you're having fun, do a starter kit, have a couple beers. Wow, it's a blast. And it is. I'm not going to lie. You know, starter kit at the right time of day or, you know, right time of the evening is, you know, it's, it's like cocaine without the crash but it tears your insides up. And like I say, add to that an enlarged heart. It's a bad, it's a bad combination. And I think if you go back and you look at a, a lot of the deaths and you're never going to be able to research it completely because it, again, it comes back as congestive heart failure or something along those lines, very broad general. Uh, but when you're 38, 45, 50, 55, 60 years old, and you're dying of heart failure chances are you've been abusing some prescription drugs. It's no surprise that current events might be contributing to more stress and sleep deprivation. Ebb Cool Drift can help. Maybe you have trouble falling asleep or even worse. When you wake up, it feels like you hardly slept. Give the gift of sleep this year with Ebb Cool Drift. Imagine what you can take on in the morning after a restful night of restorative sleep. Whether you're seeking a natural solution to a long-term battle with sleeplessness, or maybe looking for small improvements to operate at your peak, it really is time to try the Ebb Cool Drift sleep system. For the person who has everything, 
give them the priceless gift of sleep this year. The new Ebb Cool Drift Versa is a lightweight and portable sleep system designed to be incredibly versatile to fit your lifestyle, calming your racing mind anywhere you need. And with its rechargeable battery, it makes it easy to use, whether it's before bed to wind down in other rooms of the house or while you sleep. As a heads up, Ebb Cool Drift has been clinically validated and backed by decades of research. In fact, users reported improved sleep quality by 90%. The Ebb Cool Drift sleep system provides a cooling, calming sensation to your forehead through a personalized algorithm so that a precise temperature is maintained. It's designed to counteract the way the body and mind react to stressful situations, helping you quiet your racing thoughts. And let me just tell you, this has been something that I struggled with and I didn't realize that was the case. We've all sometimes used the, or heard the phrase, maybe even on cable TV, cooler than the other side of the pillow. Dude, I flipped my pillow so many times. I was looking for the cool side. Why did I need the cool side? Because I slept better. Duh, I knew that, but I didn't know why. And now that I know why, man, I'm sleeping better than ever. Thanks to the ebb cool drift system. This is something that I really believe in. It's a home run at my house. Megan loves it. I love it. And right now you can save $25 off your order by going to tryeb.com forward slash 83 weeks and using the promo code 83 weeks at checkout. That's $25 off your order. And by the way, you can try it risk-free for 60 nights. That's T R Y E B B.com forward slash 83 weeks tryeb.com forward slash 83 weeks and use our promo code 83 weeks to save $25 today. If you're having trouble sleeping or know someone in your life who is, this is what you've been looking for. It's tryeb.com forward slash 83 weeks. And don't forget that promo code 83 weeks. Continues to be a hot topic, but, uh, I don't think you and I've ever discussed that as deeply as you just did there. So thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, another person that you sort of went round and round with in WCW besides Eddie Guerrero was the nature boy himself. He makes the news here. Uh, he's arrested. Here's the report directly from the torch. Rick Flair turned himself in the North Carolina law enforcement Monday on charges that he quote, throttled a fellow motorist during a road rage incident last week on interstate 95. The incident allegedly happened at 6.30 p.m. the day before Thanksgiving. Flair, 56, was accused of grabbing Robert Steele of Charlotte by the throat in a road raids incident, shaking him and then kicking at his Toyota. I didn't do anything wrong, Flair told the local newspaper. As usual, I will be exonerated, he said. Flair was released on $1,000 bail. His mugshot appeared on Tuesday on the Smoking Gun website, on the front page, in fact, and it was immediately all over the Internet. It was, uh, not the most becoming of pictures made worse by the fact that it was snapped the day after Hunter beat the holy hell out of him at survivor series. And he had gigged multiple times. Whew. Uh, Flair makes the news. Did you, uh, have a reaction? This feels like this is going to lead to a lot of good natured ribbing backstage. You know, I, I, I think too many people had respect for Rick to rib him about it. Maybe people really, really close to him might have, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't have, um, look, you know, Rick by now better than I ever did. And I think one thing that we can agree upon and anybody that's known Rick for any amount of time or worked with Rick or spent time with Rick knows that he's a very emotional guy. 
He, he wears his emotions on his sleeves. He's a volatile person emotionally and not just in a bad way. He's, a, you know, you, you look at, you know, when I look back at some of the most amazing interviews that Rick has done, in my opinion, um, the, the ones that stand out to me the most are the ones where he emotes and he gets into the story and the character, not so much the character. He gets into the story. Well, Rick very quickly, and you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum on 83 weeks. You know, when you can, when you believe a situation is real, you're, whether you know it or not, you're a method actor. When you forget that these are words on a page and you internalize those words on a page in a way that allows you to believe and emote according to those emotions that you now believe you get the, some of the world's best interviews and promos that have ever been done in professional wrestling. And one of the reasons that Rick is as amazing as he's been throughout his career, probably can still be if he chose to, is that he, he believes it. His emotions are so close to the surface almost all of the time that it really doesn't take much to take those emotions over the top. And I, I don't know anything about the situation. I honestly, I didn't even remember it until you brought it up. And I don't think I thought too much about it when it happened. I know that sounds, you know, like it doesn't make sense, but it's because I know Rick. And I, and I also, again, I talk about myself all the time, but this is why I understand situations sometimes. And I don't react to them. Maybe the way people that maybe other people don't understand is I've been there, dude. I mean, when, I've been there. I've been in situations like that where now I haven't maybe gone so far as, you know, grab someone by the throat, start stomping their car. I've caught myself. Luckily I've caught myself before that, but I understand it. You know, I'm, I too can be a very emotional person. I've learned to manage that, but I can't tell you the number of times, you know, I, I, not that this is that important, but this is why I, probably didn't think too much of it when I read about it. Uh, I remember a long time ago, I was probably in my twenties uh, where uh, a couple of kids, I was driving, I was on a Harley and, and out just for a ride on a Saturday afternoon. And a couple of kids thought I would, I stopped at a four way stop and a couple of kids thought it'd be really funny to spin a donut in the gravel and spit rocks all over me on my motorcycle. It fucking didn't go down well at all for me. And I, I chased them on a Harley for about 40 miles and I would pull up. Now this is how stupid I was at the time and emotional. I'd pull, I would be on this Harley and I would pull up next to them at 40 and 50 and 60 miles an hour on a highway and start kicking at their car while I was alongside of them, trying to get them to pull over. Cause I want to kick the shit out of them. And it scared the hell out of them. Not because I was that physically imposing or anything, but because it was pretty crazy and they finally, I don't know if they were run out of gas or if this was their intention, but they they had an uncle that owned a, a vegetable stand. And it was kind of out in the country, which I enjoyed because I figured if I get a hold of these two punks in the country, then there's nobody going to stop and break anything up. And they finally pulled into this, you know, vegetable stand of their uncles and they ran inside and I casually got off my Harley. And by, by that time, I was kind of like the rage was over with. And I walked in and they were scared shitless and their uncle said, what the hell is going on? And they told the story and, 
The uncle said, you know, you deserve to get your ass kicked. <laughs> I was like, that time I said, oh, fuck it. It's over. And I got on my bike and I drove back home. But I, my, my point in saying all that is when you are an emotional person and an intense person, like Rick is, you know, I'm right about this. I can see it happening. Maybe the guy deserved to get his ass kicked. I don't know. But unfortunately, when you're a Ric Flair or you're a celebrity of any status at all, and when you got, you know, headline hungry TMZs and deadlines and datelines and whatever the fuck dead spins, whatever the fuck is out there, they can't wait to get a hold of anything and, and put it out there if it involves a celebrity in a bad situation. So I, I probably more than anything empathized with Rick when I heard about this, but it didn't really register on my Richter scale. Wow. Chased a couple of kids, 40 miles. I, uh, I love you more with every passing day. No, actually, I, the, the, the chase started in where, where I lived at the time where my parents lived. I think I was visiting in a little a suburb of Minneapolis called Minnetonka. By the time I finally caught these two punks, they were west of a little town called St. Bonifacius, which I think is about 35 or 40 miles west of the city. So it was a, it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon. I had a great ride. If I wouldn't have been so you know enraged, it would have been an enjoyable afternoon, but it all ended well and I didn't go to jail and nobody got beat up and I didn't kill myself on a motorcycle, which was done. The dumbest part of it all is the likelihood of me killing myself or, or, or hurting myself badly, you know, chasing these two kids and kicking at their car at 40 and 50 miles an hour. I, I was, <laughs> I was in far more danger than they were. Let's put it that way. But that's what's what happens to you when you, when you have that much emotion and, you know, there could have been things going on in my life or there could have been things going on in Rick's life that, you know, kind of added fuel to that enragement fire. But who knows? I, my point in all of this diatribe is that when it came to Rick, I kind of understood it. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. Do you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Well, let's, uh, without further ado, let's fire up the WWE network, December 5th, 2005. It's a raw watch along again, go to the WWE network, click raw at the top and uh, select 2005, scoot down just a little bit. And you'll see December 5th, 2005, we haven't done a ton of watch alongs here on the main feed. So I want to explain what we're going to do. You're going to watch this at home on TV or your computer or however you enjoy this. And you're going to mute it. So whenever you pull up the WWE network, the bottom left-hand corner, you see the little speaker, you're going to mute that. You might want to turn on your closed captions. That's up to you. So you can get an idea of what the announcers are saying. And Eric and I are going to turn on a little bit of a alternate commentary for you. We're going to try our best to entertain you and talk you through this. Uh, this is a pretty fun show to watch, uh, as fun as getting fired around the holidays, I guess can be, uh, Eric, I'm ready on my end. Uh, I, I want to give a little countdown. I'll, I'll do three, two, one play. And when I say play we'll all press play together are you ready on your end i am ready to go my friend well here we go we're gonna go ahead and press play in three two one play we see the old signature open here i gotta tell you i really like this one you know the old clips through the years then now forever great stuff 
I do too. It, you know, I was thinking about this today and this will be a topic for another conversation, but one of the things that makes wrestling work for me and I think for a lot of people is you grow up watching it. You know, we've all heard millions of stories about how people that are now fans of ours and fans of our podcasts and members, you know, members of our family over at Ad Free, you know, remember, you know, watching wrestling with their father or their grandfather or uncle or whatever, older brother. You know, you grow up watching wrestling. And I love this open because it kind of takes you back and, you know, you get a little taste of, of, of wrestling back in the day. And I, I, of all the opens that, you know, WWE has done, this is one of my favorites. We see the set here. We should remind you in this era, uh, the company is back on USA five years prior to this, they left and, uh, went to spike, but now they're back here and, uh, yeah, North Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina. Any good South Carolina memories, Eric? Oh, I've had a lot of fun in South Carolina. Um, there was actually a young lady by the name of Vanessa Dorman. Sorry, Vanessa. I hate to, you know, burn you here on adfreeshows.com in, in 83 weeks, but um yeah. This is a long time ago now. This is before Mrs. B. But yeah, I had a lot of fun. A lot of fun in South Carolina. Rick Flair had a little fun. The Charlotte observer were opening the show with his mugshot and all the headlines. So we've turned a negative into a positive. That's not a bad thing. Controversy creates cash, right? Chicken salad into chicken or chicken shit into chicken salad, man. That's what makes the wrestling world spin. If you turn the chicken salad into chicken shit, that just means you're like everybody else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How about this intro here? Vince McMahon coming out and look what we've got in tow here. Why was the, the company so obsessed with driving vehicles into the arena over the years? It, milk because trucks, Zambonis, <laughs> uh, big rigs. Because it worked. You know, I, th I think I, I think Vince and company, you know, realized back on Nitro when I would drive a motorcycle into the ring or come out of the, you know, ceiling of the arena, drop down on my Harley. They went, wow, that, that kind of shit works. So let's do that. That's my guess. Yeah. Well, listen, I was an original it. idea, by the way. Didn't start in WWE, so there you go. That's just my own personal pat myself on the back commentary. Boy, that garbage truck looks a little different than the Bentley Coupe that Vince usually drives, huh? Yes, it does. I kind of like that look. You know, when I when I was in Stanford last year, you know, I lived uh, I was there for like four or five months, and I actually lived a block away from Vince McMahon. Really, not a lot of people know that. Yeah, it was great. And I don't think he knew my apartment. I lived in corporate housing at the time. It was a really nice apartment, by the way, but it was right downtown Stanford. And it was, I want to be a little careful. I don't give things away, but Vince had a really nice, I was never inside. But it's a it penthouse, a right? It was a very exclusive condominium. And um, it was always fun because I'd be out walking my dog, you know, at night and I'd come, I'd see Vince come blasting around the corner. He drove like a fucking madman. It comes zipping around the corner, dive down into the parking area. And you know, like I said, he probably didn't even see me or if he did, he didn't, wouldn't have recognized me because I'm wearing my big army, green army coat and a hat and I'm walking a dog. I look more like a homeless person with a dog than I did like an executive at his business. But um, yeah, he lived right down the street. We always, and, and, and on Monday mornings, or excuse me, whenever we would leave for SmackDown, whatever day that was, because sometimes I would go to Raw as well, even though I wasn't a part of it, and we'd all fly together. I'd be sitting on the jet, you know, we're, and typically we're waiting for Vince to arrive. And man, he'd come blowing up to that corporate jet like, you know, he was taking a pit at, at the Indy 500. <laughs> he liked to drive. 
He's always been a, a Bentley guy too, from what I understand. I, I don't know about always, but I think he had a couple of them while I was there. I, I've seen him, I think, in, in at least two different ones. I, he maybe had even more. I don't know. Well, here he is. I love the introduction, by the way, uh, where he says, uh, yep, you see my, my garbage truck. The only thing missing is the trash itself. Let's bring him out here. Eric Bischoff. <laughs> Come on down. How much did Vince look at me? Look at the look. By the way, I did a fantastic job here. I have to pat myself on the back once again, but what a great job, you know, Vince is doing here. And it's, this was a really fun segment, you know, despite the fact, and by the way, I wasn't, and we should talk about this at some point during this thing, but this wasn't me necessarily getting fired is I got notified by, by Stephanie McMahon that, uh, you know, they just decided they were going to go in a different, you know, creative direction. I still had time left on my contract when I got the call from Stephanie. Um, and she just said, look, we're, we're going to take a different direction and, you know, we're going to pay you through your contract. No worries there. You didn't do anything wrong. There's no heat, nothing like that. It's just, we need to go in a different direction. And I remember getting that call and I was interesting because the two times that I was terminated, I guess in this case, not really fired or terminated, but they just decided not to opt, you know, into a contract extension. Both times I was relieved. And I, and Stephanie, I think anticipated me being upset or, you know, having some kind of response to the phone call. And I, I, I said, Stephanie, I completely understand. You know, I, I think it's time we have run out of rope as, as far as this character is concerned. And it was starting to get very redundant the stories, you know, although they might involve different people and different scenarios, scenarios, take your pick. I don't care. But whatever the situation was, yeah, seemed a little different. But essentially, the premise of those stories were always the same. I was the abusive general manager. I was, you know, this snarky little manipulative, you know, power hungry, you know, abusive boss. That was the narrative. And eventually whoever it was would get their hands on me in the ring and beat my ass. And that was great. You know, it worked for whatever, three, four years, five years, whatever it was. I don't remember anymore. But after a while, you get tired of doing that as a performer because you know you're doing the same things essentially over and over and over again. You may be doing it with different people. The setups may be a little different, but you just run out of room. You know, I wasn't a wrestler. I couldn't get in the ring and, you know, further a story or continue, you know, further continue. Same thing. I was pretty limited, you know, abuse the power, abuse the power, abuse the power, take advantage of talent, take advantage of talent until they go no more, get you in the ring, beat your ass, go home. After, you know, I did it with, with Steve Austin. I did it with any number of people. Kane, same thing happened. Shane McMahon, same thing happened. John Cena, a little different. Everybody. Setup. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, uh, as a performer, you actually get tired of it. You, you become less inspired by it. And if, as a talent, if you're not inspired and you're not excited, guess who else isn't inspired and excited? And it's the audience. So when Stephanie called me, I was like, you know, the time is right. I wasn't necessarily dependent upon my WWE income to pay my bills. That was a part of what I was doing, but I was producing television and making quite a bit. I was actually making three times more money doing that than I was making in WWE. So it wasn't like a big hit for me financially, but it certainly was time. And I, ful I fulfilled my goal. My goal was to end my career in WWE as a talent on a positive note. That was my goal going in when Vince McMahon called me and said, Hey, would you be, would you be interested in coming back? 
I told Lori, this is my way of putting the period at the end of the last sentence in the chapter that I want my career to end on. And this was actually a perfect setup for me. So they've appointed, uh, or, or Vince has announced as JR jokes that you're wearing all black, like you're dressed for your own funeral. Uh, Vince says, we're going to have tonight, the trial of Eric Bischoff. And by the way, the entire crowd now is chanting asshole because, uh, you've just, you've just been called an asshole by your appointed defender. Your, your attorney is going to be Jonathan coachman. And as he makes his way to the ring, the announcers say, Johnny Cochran is rolling over in his grave. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, I think coach gets a bad rap behind the scenes. Super nice guy, friend of both of ours. He had to be having fun with this segment. I loved working with coach and he is a good dude. And we're still pretty good friends. And he was a great performer. I loved working with coach because he loved performing Yeah, and it showed, you know, that he wasn't, he wasn't just memorizing a script and going out there performing what he was asked to do. He was, he was having a blast and he was so much fun to work with. And he was very talented not just having fun. He was having a blast and slash very, very talented. And that's a wicked good combination. Wicked good. I like that. Wicked good. Co- I don't think I've ever said that. Wicked good combination. And check this out. The other attorney, Mr. Mick Foley. I love that coming out with a Batman lunchbox. Mick Foley making his way to the ring. I, Mick is another one of those great characters. You don't have to prep him too much. He just needs to know what's the general direction we're going here. What are you? What are the points you need me to hit? And then just let him fly. Very few people with that ability, and Mick is right at the top of the list. Okay, stop what you're doing. Listen very, very carefully. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. Oh, she's beautiful, classy. She's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People just can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. And she's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring, and it takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye-flawless, near-colorless, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista's available. She's ready for love, and she's ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one-carat round brilliant diamond is only $3,198. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus, free shipping, and get this, 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only, or you can go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love engagement ring. Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. You know, he was healthy, relatively healthy, I'm sure. Mick probably knows more about that than I do, but, you know, he was able to, you know, get around, get in the ring. If he needed to get physical, he could, 
But I, I think in terms of a character, man, he was so comfortable in that character. And he's so good on the mic. I, I keep beating on that because it's so important and impressive. But like I said, other than Steve Austin, I don't think there is a better person for that role in this particular scene. Look at McMahon. He's so freaking happy here. You know, he just... Like I said, he's not that great of an actor, but he was, he was digging every minute of this. The two options were by the end of the night, Eric will keep his job or it'll be time to take out the trash. This was so good. You know, WWE has done such, they've done so many great things over the decades. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily because I was involved in it, but the entire team that, you know, from Brian Gerwitz on down, I don't think Brian gets nearly enough credit as he deserves He's a phenomenal writer. His track record in WWE speaks for itself. I don't need to put him any over anymore, but you know, from production to the writing team, which probably included Ed Kosky as well, who's still in WWE is an amazing, amazing, amazing writer in my opinion. Um, and person, by the way, um, the entire team put together, a great show that had a great thread. It was a perfect setup. It was an interesting story that the audience could get behind. I, I, you know, I'm sure they've done better things, but because I was involved, I was closer to it. So I have a different appreciation for it. Um, this was done so well. We see, uh, they're building towards Armageddon here and we're teasing that we've got the tag straps going to be on the line. A lot of beef here. Uh, I, I do want to mention the reviews from this show on the torch. Uh, before we do, I guess I should say that the show did a 4.1 rating. You think people would be excited with a 4.1 today, Eric? I think people would cut body parts off for an opportunity to score 4.1, especially on a consistent basis, but it was a different time. You know, it was just, the world was a different place. Television was a different environment. I also think WWE was a better product back in the, at this period of time for a variety of reasons. Uh, some that, you know, WWE has control over and some that they don't. Uh, but yeah, 4.1, what did that probably equated to? I don't know, six to 8 million viewers. That's like a whole month's worth of <laughs> viewers in aggregate now, you know, for Monday night raw. It's pretty r ridiculous how many people are watching here. Um, it's noted that this is going to be the strongest rating since they moved back to USA network outside of homecoming and the Eddie Guerrero tribute show. We see a lot of beef in the ring right now. Snitsky slipping in. We just saw big viscera go down Kane and big show. My Lord, there's a lot of dudes in here or a lot of, a lot of poundage in here. I miss, you know, Kane, obviously he's doing great, you know, as, as a mayor, well, I don't know if he's doing great or not. I don't follow the local politics there, but one, you know, people just that don't know Glenn Jacobs, the person, look at that. I think one of the most intelligent people, well-read and intelligent people I've ever met. I used to love talking to Kane about history and politics and any number of topics. He's just, he reads a lot. He's a very, very smart dude. Speaking of politicians, another person has been pretty vocal over the years, Val Venus in there. We also see the heartthrobs. We haven't spent any time talking about those guys, but, uh, they're friends of the show. 
Why don't you think the heartthrobs had a longer run here in the company? Just didn't tickle Vince's fancy. It's always hard to say, you know, so much of you know, the choices and decisions that are made in any company, you know, creative company, whether it's television, movies, wrestling, it doesn't matter. Music, probably. I don't know anything about the music business, but I have to guess it's the same thing. It's so subjective, you know, and you could have, you know, a talent or in this case, a tag team that has all of the ingredients, but they may be just missing that one that catches the eye of the guy that's calling the shots in this case, Vince, Vince McMahon. So the fact that they didn't have a long run doesn't necessarily mean they weren't great talents. It just means that they just kind of missed the mark. And that's all she wrote for this match. What I was saying before though, is the torch absolutely loved your performance here on the show. Uh, in fact, Bruce Mitchell, uh, gave the show a 3.0, but it says once again, the whole show was hijacked by two performers. Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff, who don't go on the road, don't wrestle on pay-per-view and don't give the rub to anyone else. Actually, this show was in its own way, quite the tribute to the performing ability of Eric Bischoff, who lasted three years longer in the role than anyone would have figured. The only wrestling angle between Shelton Benjamin and Shawn Michaels just made Benjamin look like a bigger clown. So Bruce critical overall of the show, but, oh, and look at this. How about this for the old kangaroo court? Let's track some of this. Mr. Foley, and I think you all know my bailiff, Chris Masters, the masterpiece, hopefully will have no one held in contempt in my court. With that in mind, Mr. Foley, you may please remove your boot from the court's table and call your first witness. Sorry about that, Vince. That's a your honor. Your honor. If it pleases the court, I would like to call my first witness, Miss Stephanie McMahon. A courtroom entrance with theme music. That's great. And she comes in and she's got that evil yet sexy as fuck look on her face. It's oh, really cool. <laughs> okay. Have you not? Yes, that is correct. Then in your expert opinion, did Mr. Bischoff conduct himself appropriately while serving in the capacity as general manager? Well, before I answer that question, Mr. Foley, let me just state for the record that both my brother, Shane McMahon, and I believe Eric Bischoff should be removed from office. As far as my reasoning why, I believe actions speak louder than words, so let's take a look at the video footage. Yes, let's. So they're going to throw to a tape here, and they're going to see uh, one of the more famous moments in Bischoff's run here. Bischoff wearing a Vince McMahon costume and going to make out with Vince's daughter. Let's track it. Oh, That's gonna sign. Oh. This is where she starts getting into it. Notice, oh my gosh, it's everything changed between Stephanie McMahon and I in that very brief but passionate interlude. Uh, tell the truth, Eric. You try to slip her the tongue. I, that's gonna that's a secret that stays with stephanie and i hmm. if circumstances were different can you imagine if uh in an alternate universe she wasn't with hunter and maybe you and mrs b weren't doing so well and you became vince mcmahon's son-in-law Ooh, the fun i could have just think <laughs> how i could have put myself over just think of the ability 
that I would have had to, to, to extend my career and, and, and get myself over and keep myself over. It would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. But you know, Hey, I don't think about things like that. Is that Jim hurt? No, it's Art Myers. Here comes another big star. Couple of them. Mickey James on the left, Trish Stratus on the right. I think Mickey James has been criminally underrated. Probably one of the best in ring performers of this generation. Why is that? I agree with you, by the way. Why do you think, I mean, look, you, you are now one of the leading experts in my opinion, simply because of the amount of research and the passion that you have for the business and the product. You've had the ability to interview some of the biggest names in the industry. Heck you're related to one of them. Why do you think Mickey James is as underrated as she is? Cause I agree. I think it's gotta be just Vince McMahon's positioning. You know, I think he has his favorites. He has the type of look that he wants and um, you know, those folks are going to get chance after chance after chance. And obviously Mickey's been around for a long time and had really great matches, but in this era, you know, it was less about in ring sort of bell to bell stuff. It's more about, you know, Hey, can we get a playboy spread out of you? Yeah. yeah. As we see you know, Victoria making her way to the ring with, uh, popping them things out. Candace Michelle, is that her name? Yeah, She's, she comes down in a, you know, a long dress, you know, coat or whatever it is. And the first thing she does is when she's walking down the aisles, open it up and, you know, let, let those amazing breasts fly from the audience <laughs> watching at home. And, uh, Tori Wilson, same. Although she's wearing, you know, she's got a, a, a nice tight set of jeans on rolled up a little bit, some boots on, but an amazing top that accentuated the positive Not to sound like a perv, but it is what it is, folks. This was all eye candy more than it was anything else at this period of time. By the way, though, they picked the right two performers in the ring. Of course, Victoria, very capable in ring performer. So is Mickey James. Uh, and, and they would repeat this match. You and I just talked about them wrestling these two women. Uh, just last week on final resolution, 2010 here on 83 weeks for TNA. So, you know, the, they're two of the very best in ring performers, but maybe they don't exactly, you know, because they know how to take some of these moves. Maybe they don't exactly check Vince's boxes in terms of, Hey, we just need models who we can put in playboy to cross promote, not necessarily women who really love wrestling and want to learn how to do it. And now, of course, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, and we sometimes play the, what if game, what if Mickey was born 10 years later, would she, or would she not have been a, a huge part of this women's revolution that we just experienced a few years ago? Uh, it has to be, it has to be and it, it because Mickey can still go. It's not like her skills yes. have deteriorated. It's not like she's lost a step. If anything, she's probably gotten better Yes, as, as often happens as you mature as a performer, you your instincts become more finely tuned. Your timing gets better while you may not be able to physically do some of the same things that you used to do. You more than make up for that in experience and in instinct. Uh, one is directly related to the other, but I, I think to this day, going back to what we were talking about a few moments ago, I think Mickey James should be at this moment, you know, one of the top stars in the women's division in WWE. And I, I'm perplexed as to why she's not. I think it's probably, and listen, you know, Vince way better than I do. It's probably just when Vince sort of sees you in a certain spot, I mean, you're kind of there, you know, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys as they, as, as Jim Ross likes to say, sometimes go learn a new hold, they go become a superstar somewhere else and then come back. And now they've got a, a fresh pain of co 
paint of coat. I'm saying it like Bruce does now, a fresh coat of paint. You see what Drew McIntyre did. You know, he was part of three man band gets cut loose, goes and really makes his, his name ever, everywhere else, literally everywhere else comes back. And now he's the top guy. And I don't know. I feel like Mickey James is probably in a similar spot where Vince just saw her in a certain space and that's where she is. And I think Natalia is probably in the same spot. The holidays are here. Have you made your wish list yet? Our sponsor today has the number one wished for gift of the year, Manscaped. The best in men's below and above the belt grooming, Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. Ho, 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 fellas. Naughty or nice, tis the season to perform. And let me tell you, nobody's going to want to perform anything with you if you got those old man nose hairs or those old man ear hairs. And I got to tell you, this ear hair thing has really been something that I've noticed for the first time in my life in the more recent years. I don't know how it happens, but dude, Manscaped has changed my life. Actually, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, but I keep it by my recliner. I just throw that thing in there and knock it out. It's awesome. Uh, now, I also want to mention the nose hair deal. I know some of you personally, I'm getting you one of these for Christmas, I'm trying to have a conversation with you and I can't take your ass seriously because every time you talk, it's like Willow the Wisp just waving at me. Stupid and gross, but you're in luck because the Manscaped Perfect Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and it makes a perfect gift. Imagine opening an attractive box that says your balls will thank you with the most sought after gadgets and scents a person could find inside. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker. It's the ear and nose hair trimmer I was telling you about. It's waterproof. It's got a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. that's going to prove your nose hair ain't shit. And look guys, 79% of partners Hold admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Duh. Nobody wants you on top of them wearing it out. And got that fucking nose hair moving back and forth. Why not use the best tools out there for the job? This bundle also includes the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It's the best trimmer on the market for your balls, for your butthole, for your body. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this and the women are going to love you for it. I don't know why they want to do the things they want to do, but I know when it's been manscaped, they like doing it a little more. Tis the season to manscape. So go get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, even your coworkers might want to think about that one. The best gift of all the manscaped performance package. Let's not forget their famous liquidation formidations. That's right. Liquidation. I made that shit up just like they made up the crop preserver, ball deodorant, ball deodorant. We've all known a time or two where we probably could use some of that. How about the crop reviver? This is a game changer for Eric Bischoff. You can just tell by looking at him. He's got old man saggy balls, uh, but he's doing better than ever. Thanks to the crop reviver. It's going to maximize his hygiene and his ball routine. Also get that performance package now to receive two free gifts. We're talking manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Their performance package really is the best value that manscaped has to offer. And baby it's hot off the shelves. Right now you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code 83 weeks at manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy. What? Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code 83weeks at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use our promo code 83weeks. What are you waiting for? Go wacky weeds. Make Santa proud. We have no questions for it to Jerry, but we do have a request. Proceed. The request is that Tajiri get back to the arena as soon as possible because tonight, Tajiri is in a match with 
Triple H. The jury was great in this role. He was great. I like that. And by the way, beforehand, he was taking you to task because, uh, he alleged that he had been a big star in both Japan and ECW, but you ignored this. And then I think he wanted you to, uh, have a rhinoceros horn up your anus or something like that. Yeah. And Kasama is one of my favorite people in WWE. We still stay in touch. Uh, she works backstage. She works for Kevin Dunn and that, that side of the team. You don't see Kasama much or, or hear about her much, but man, there's a lot of reasons why WWE is as successful as it is. Not the least of which is the commitment, the passion, the skill of the production team and the toughness, sheer toughness. Yeah. The wrestlers are tough male and female, but that production team is just as tough. Here we, here we go. Let's track it. Bischoff has no penis. I, I object to that. There is little of any evidence that my client has no penis. That's hearsay and speculation. Your Honor, if I may, I do believe the witness is going somewhere with this. You just better be good, Counselor. I think I can prove that Eric Bischoff in the past has had a somewhat strange relationship with the WWE superstars. If it pleases the court, I would like to introduce Exhibit B. This is possible. Who was a better kisser, Mae Young or Stephanie? Uh, by far and away, Stephanie. Although she's a close second to her mother. Is this on your highlight reel? No, this is not on my highlight reel. Oh my God. Now notice how far my face is turned. I bring my chin up to avoid contact. Look at this lady. The, uh, Look at this lady. Oh, she's senile. Nearly over <laughs> And above all else, she is taunting my client. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine doing this today? Your this Honor, is on the USA Network 15 years ago. This down. is borderline Pornhub. <laughs> this Point is awesome. Witness, Thank you, Your Honor. My first witness is a. Is it true that she put sardines in her drawers? You know, I, I, that's, that's the story and you know, she stuck to it. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I was doing everything in my power as difficult as it was in that particular moment. Cause I was laying in the corner on my ass. Eric, you didn't get a waft, huh? You didn't get a waft of this. You didn't get a whiff of this. I would tell you, I mean, I'm not embarrassed by it. You know, I would tell you if I did, I would tell you, but I, I didn't fortunately. Well, I'm just saying. Way back when you ran across a smelly one every now and again, uh, you, you, you would know the difference. I would hope Conrad, Conrad, Conrad. sardines. You eat weird food. We, we've talked I, about, no, I do eat weird food and well, I, I know fish when I smell it. That's so what I'm saying. Let, let, let fish or whatever. And lutefish and lutefisk, lutefisk. Don't let go of the lutefisk, but here's the other thing. Now let's be, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be completely transparent here. You know, you know how it is, you know, what being nose blind is like, right? Like, yeah. you know, if, if you work in a bakery, you know, your first day in the job, you're just like overwhelmed with the smell of baked goods and it drives you crazy and you get hungry. But by the end of the first week or the first two weeks, you can't even smell it anymore. And maybe it was because of my constant proximity to raw fish and my passion for the, for, for such that I, 
maybe I was nose blind. Maybe there was just, you know, three cans of sardines packed in there somehow. And I just didn't get a whiff of it because I was nose blind. That, that could be, <laughs> this is a horrible conversation. What are we talking about? What are we doing with our lives? I don't know. What have we become? I don't know. It's a great question. We see, uh, an interesting backstage vignette here. Sheldon Benjamin trying to tape up, getting ready for his match. John Michaels coming to talk the trash saying, Oh, you're going to be in front of your home state crowd here today. And tonight you're going to like a big fat zero and, uh, hyping him up here. It's going to be a fun time. Look at, I mean, let's talk about Shelton Benjamin for a while. Shelton Benjamin is probably had, you know, you can define, people can define sex success in different ways, but I would imagine if you just broke out a calculator and took a look at Shelton Benjamin's financial career in WWE, he's going to be right up there with, you know, as one of, you know, the most successful performers in WWE, not because he necessarily made it to the top and was a main event and a bunch of pay-per-views and all that kind of thing. There's a lot to be said for consistency and and your ability to, to play that role for a long time. Shelton Benjamin is a very, very talented individual, but he's also real smart. He's also very smart, which speaks to why he's, what is he now? 18 years as a middle top talent in WWE. That is not an easy accomplishment. Let me tell you. We, uh, we should go ahead and give you some, some recaps from some other folks over at the torch. who gave their opinion. Uh, Pat McNeil said since Raw was built around the trial of Eric Bischoff and since the actual wrestling on the show was negligible and had little to do with the storylines on the show, I'm going to cover for the absence of Mojo Mitchell by talking about all the messages that Vince McMahon wanted to send on tonight's episode. Vince hates suck-ups despite all the evidence to the contrary. Triple H and Stephanie really do make a cute couple. Uh, nothing's more important in WWE than being a team player. It's okay to use the premature deaths of professional wrestlers to help get a storyline across. If you're not main eventing pay-per-views, it's your own damn fault. Even if you're being punished for being a taller, better looking, more athletic and more articulate version of WWE's chosen son-in-law. Never let your midlife crisis bring bad publicity upon the WWE. Uh, Have a cool gimmick like uh, the elimination chamber is more important than booking coherent wrestling angles. Mick Foley likes eating junk food. Oh, and false advertising, a Ric Flair appearance on raw. Not cool. I love the torch, but boy, this was just negative all the way down. You know, that's, uh, I've got no problem with the torch or Wade Keller. Uh, actually I, I, I check in, I, I read the torch. Now there was a point in time when Wade was really kind of doing the same things that other, you know, dirt sheet producers and editors were doing. You don't, you don't get a lot of that anymore. Wade has grown as a, as a editor and a producer of a pretty, pretty good, um, newsletter, not a dirt sheet. Uh, but there was a time that he did. And I think oftentimes people, and I don't even know this cat that wrote that. I'm, I'm, I don't think I've ever met him. If I did, it doesn't stick out in my mind. But, you know, you feel the need. You, you want to get attention. You want people to click. You want people to read your columns. You want to make a name for yourself. And it's really easy to be critical. It's really easy to be cynical. It's the easiest thing in the world is to be a cynic. 
Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, the audience reacts to that. And I think that was what was going on here. Why the hate? This is a really, really well-produced, highly entertaining show that delivered somewhere between six or eight million people. Why not talk about what's right? Why do you have to reach in your bag of crap and throw out the biggest handful of turds you could find in that bag, you know, to try to get attention for yourself? That's always been my problem with this type of writing. And I'm not going to call it reporting because it's not. It's just in a fucking opinion from a very cynical person. And I, I, I don't know. I just, that kind of stuff just bothers me to this day. It bothers me. I get a little amped up just hearing you, you know, repeat that to me. It's why, why, if you're really good, if you really know your business, talk about that, talk about what's working and you can talk about what's not working in a constructive, analytical, honest way, but it's way easier to bury somebody. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, some of you know, the things that this, whoever it was wrote, wasn't out there in the universe and was on the minds of a lot of people, but it's because it started with people like this. You know, this, look, like I said, six, eight million people are tuning into the show. There's a packed freaking arena, uh, probably one of the highest rated shows of cable television that given week. I have no idea if I'm right or not, but I'll take a wild ass guess and assume that I am going to probably close if I'm not absolutely right. Uh, there's a lot of good things about this show. I don't know why people feel the need to beat shit up all the time, just for the sake of doing it. To me, that reflects a lack of real ability more, more than anything else. Eric, I really hate to do this right now, but, um, we're seeing Lance Cade wrestle Chavo Guerrero here. Chavo got a hero's welcome. Of course, everyone's still chanting for Eddie. There's Latino heat signs everywhere. Uh, he's got the EG wristband on. So we're celebrating and paying tribute and, and, and honoring a wrestler who died way too young. And Chavo is, is wrestling a guy on who, unfortunately is going to suffer the same fate. Lance Cade passed away way too young. And I can't believe this is happening, but we're going to give everybody a peek behind the curtain right now. Cause you and I are recording this the day before Thanksgiving, because you're going to hit the old dusty trail and spend some time in December in Florida. And we wanted to get ahead so you could make that trip and not have to pull over on the side of the road. It'll mcdonald's and do the show uh for the wi-fi anyway i just got a text that bob Ryder has passed away uh he was found today by the nashville police and i know that you worked with bob and uh spent some time getting to know him in your time in tna and probably before that in wcw um any bob Ryder stories or memories you can share with us I know right now. Bob was in a fight with cancer for a long time. He, uh, I think he was in this battle for more than 10 years ago. And uh, as we're recording this randomly, Bob Ryder followed me on Twitter just a few days ago. And Bob Ryder was one of the first big voices on the internet for professional wrestling. And one of the first that I was familiar with and obviously played a big role, not only for WCW, but behind the scenes with TNA and, um, he's going through a tough go, man, had, it, had some advanced chemo and when impact couldn't get in, uh, a hold of him for a couple of days, they sent someone to do a wellness check. The police found him and, uh, he was gone and 
God damn, this sucks, man. Obviously this is a totally different circumstance than the way we lost Eddie Guerrero or we lost Lance Cade, but this is a uh, shitty news today. And <clears throat> the only thing I want to say, we actually talked about this on one of the last shows that we did. We covered a TNA show and Bob Ryder was more than an advocate for the young bucks. He, he fought hard to get the young bucks into TNA and he, he was met with a lot of resistance. And I think I said this when we recorded the show, I hope the bucks know that. Damn. I'm sorry for springing on you in the show. I just. It's all right. Let's drop in. What are we talking about here? Let's track it here. Some silliness, some fun. He would be more than happy to repeat everything that he did. Oh, no, 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 that won't be necessary. I don't want to hear it anyhow. I mean, and by the way, you will not be refereeing Kurt Angle's match. You may now step down and we will take a recess. Yes. <laughs> recess rule. Moon pies. Nice. Love these things. Oh, man. Moon pie? <laughs> Moon pie. Moon pie and an RC. <laughs> Well, as we said, Ric Flair has been all over the news. He's been accused of road rage. It's hard to really uh, have a lot of fun right now. I'll try to switch gears and get us back on track. If, you, if there's anything else we want to touch on with that, we can. But there would be some folks who were pretty critical of having um, Foley pull out snack cakes in this skit. Why? Why would, why? Scripting Mick Foley eating junk food could be seen as McMahon expressing displeasure with how out of shape Foley is, despite having gotten a big contract to stay away from TNA. It was funny and kind of sad at the same time. Man, people read too much into shit. You know, I, I love how people, you know, project what's going, what they believe is going through Vince McMahon's mind. I love that. I spent four months. Now, Bruce, nobody knows outside of Vince's family. I don't think anybody knows Vince McMahon better than Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. Maybe Jerry McDivitt. <laughs> but um, I just, it's just, again, it's that cynical, I need to get attention. You know, whoever wrote that, you know, was it Bruce Mitchell? Uh, I think that was Wade Keller. Wade Keller. You know, that's just, you know, being woke before woke was cool, I guess. It's just, I don't know. It's, just, it, it's tiresome. I'm glad, I'm glad the torch and Wade Keller, I don't read them often, so I don't want to make it sound like I sit down and read every one of his online reporting stories or whatever. I don't, I, I'll drop in like I often do. I'll drop into to the torch. I'll drop into wrestling Inc. I'll drop into wrestle zone. Um, I'll, I'll drop into PW insider. I go there often, you know, because they've evolved and they're more often than not reporting on things that, you know, are concrete and, and true. And there's less speculation and editorial 
projection going on. But, you know, when I hear that stuff, it's like, fuck, you know, you, clueless, clueless. Do you think Mick Foley felt that way? Do you know, in fact, that it wasn't Mick Foley's suggestion and idea? Because it's consistent with Mick's character. Um, and, and I guess sense of humor from what I know of, of Mick. It's just silliness, pure silliness. We should mention of the show uh, so far. Um, the first match, of course, was Big Show and Kane versus Mabel and Val Venus versus the Heartthrobs. Of course, Show and Kane were victorious. Next up, it was Victoria and Candace Michelle against Mickey James and Trish. Of course, Victoria and Michelle would win. Uh, we saw Lance Cade and, uh, of course, Chavo Guerrero. That one actually got half a star. Of course, Guerrero won with the frog splash, as he should. Right now, we've got a new segment called The Cutting Edge. This is like a, a modern Piper's Pit. This is Edge's talking segment, and he says he's going to ruffle some feathers backstage. He's going to start calling himself here the rated R superstar. So they're trying to push the rated R superstar. And he says that flair was supposed to be his guest, but his uh, lawyer advised him to not speak publicly. So edge is going to talk about flair's little road rage incident. And it's going to lead to a a pretty famous little skit here. Eventually Sergeant slaughter and Michael Hayes are going to come out to ringside. And, uh, this is going to be a fun little segment. Maybe the second most memorable. Let's track here as we see Edge mocking Ric Flair. Jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. To this. <laughs> the mugshot. My, uh, my internet's disagreeing with me right now, so we'll let it catch up here. But the mugshot posing, handcuff wearing, he's got a whole little catchphrase about uh, Flair's untimely arrest here. So let me ask you, Conrad, I know, you know, I'm always on the receiving end of the questions or, or, or whatnot, but how do you think knowing Rick, the way you know him now, how, how do you think Rick reacted to this? To them talking about it on TV? Yeah. And making fun of him in the mugshot and all that. How do you deep down inside, you think Rick was cool with this? No, of course he wasn't, but he would play it off and laugh about it and say he was. Right. It's like, oh, it's great. But in reality, no, he, he was embarrassed by it, but he's also, you know, he's able to compartmentalize shit. And I think that's one of the reasons he's been so successful is he can compartmentalize shit. Eric, give us a, uh, a time code here. I am looking at 46, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Michael Hayes, Sergeant Slaughter out to the ring. Evidently I can't hear it. I've got the sound turned off for obvious reasons. Edges having a ball in there with Lita and Lita's looking fine. By the way, What they were trying to do is they're trying to convince him to cut it out and they're doing the little throat cut symbol. Like, Hey, Hey, just cut out all that talk. Like, Hey, you know, you guys are going to inside baseball. You're off script, so to speak. And now here comes Michael Hayes. He's about had enough. He's ready to drop the old dude, dude, dude. And what's fun about this for me as, as a former, I guess, producer is this feels pretty real. Yeah. You know, obviously it's storyline. This wouldn't have happened in real life, but it was not overproduced, which makes it feel real to me. And, and by the way, one of the reasons it feels so real and doesn't feel overproduced is because of edge. 
Edge is doing a phenomenal job here as a character. Um, he, he's improving here probably just a bit because he has the ability, but it doesn't feel like he's working off of a script. He it feels very real. His the level of passion given the situation is perfect. He's not overacting or overreacting to anything. Sergeant Slaughter isn't mugging for a camera shot, not trying to, you know, Jimmy Hart his way into the red light and make sure that he's getting, you know, great camera time. Although he's the way he's positioned, if you're watching this along with us, Michael Hayes is on your left, Edge is on your right, they're nose to nose. Michael Hayes is really amped up and emotional right now, obviously because of his respect for Ric Flair. And Sergeant Slaughter is in the middle, he's in the shot, but he's not mugging for it. It's this, this scene right here, to me, aside from the fucked up camera work, does seem to feel like a real scene. And, 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 and it could be real. It, it allows you to suspend. We've all heard it. We've read it in all the dirt sheets because they picked up on it somewhere. You, you can forget that you're watching wrestling and get sucked into the emotion of it all, particularly because of Ric Flair. Ric Flair is a, was, is a beloved character at this point. Michael Hayes, his relationship with Rick makes all of this make sense. The holidays are just around the corner. Got a quick question for you. Are you looking for a way to stay connected with your loved ones during the holidays this year? This is going to be a pretty challenging year due to all the social distancing and a lot of folks not wanting to travel right now. So here's the thing. If you're not able to be in person, skylight might be the perfect gift for you. If you're thinking to yourself, I want to give a gift that will make my mom or dad or grandmother or grandfather feel like they're right there with us during the holidays boom skylight to the rescue and if you're not able to travel to them during this current situation i really can't recommend the skylight frame enough we've talked about this a lot on my shows but uh, my mother-in-law recently moved from denver to charlotte north carolina well of course now during social distancing she wants to be near the grandkids and we're down here in alabama it's probably less than ideal and we thought the skylight would be a home run. So this past weekend, we gifted my mother-in-law one of these new skylight frames, and she absolutely loved it. Now here's the pro tip what we did. We preloaded it with pictures, but all weekend, she was getting updates in real time. Let me explain. For a really special gift for the special people in your life, you really have to check out skylight frame. It's a photo frame that you can update instantly by email from anywhere. This is a perfect way to feel close to those that you really care about, even when you have to be separated. I want to mention it sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. You just plug it in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just email them to this personal Skylight email address and they pop up in seconds. It's worth mentioning multiple people can send photos to the frame. So it's a great way to keep a whole network in place. So right now, of course, she can get pictures from all three of the grandkids and it's just so cool. It's a black and white frame. It's a black frame with a white mat. Excuse me. It looks like a real photo frame. It's going to look classy in your house, but man, this is special. As we mentioned, it's a 10 inch touchscreen. You can swipe through the photos with your finger, or you can even tap the photo to thank the person who sent you the photo. By the way, this is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. 
And as I said, you can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift. This has been a home run at my house. I can't recommend it enough, especially if you have grandparents or in-laws or whatever that live a, a, a good distance away from you. Dude, I, I'm a hero at my house, and it's because of Skylight Frame. Can't recommend it enough. And right now is a special offer. You can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter promo code 83 weeks. That's right. You get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame just by going to skylightframe.com and entering the code 83 weeks. That's skylightframe.com, S K Y L I G H T F R A M E.com skylightframe.com and the promo code is 83 weeks uh, triple h is going to make his way down Meltzer would give it a quarter star sorry not Meltzer. wade does wade keller use stars too i don't i don't yeah. ever see that i don't pay attention to how people rate matches is he use star the star system too yes he does damn it somebody should move to a scale of one to ten it's more relatable oh they Less do the, he does that as well where he'll give the whole show a rating overall so here is the infamous triple h entrance which never changed whether he was a heel or a baby face you hate that don't you i fucking hate it yeah i hate it i mean if you're gonna be a heel damn it be a heel don't be a hero don't come out there like some you know you're you're doing a marvel audition for the next thor movie <laughs> if you're a heel you're a heel jesus christ and you wonder why he never really got any heat because he wasn't really a heel didn't want to be a heel. He'd wrestle like a heel. He would do the chicken shit things that were requisite in order to be a heel within the body of a match. But the character would never change. He's out there spitting his water. And, oh, my God. Uh, it's a good thing he married Stephanie. That's all I got to say. What do you think of the facial hair here? Could we see Eric Bischoff with some mutton chops like this? I couldn't grow. I couldn't, I can't do that. I have, my beard is really weird and it's getting a little thicker as I've gotten older, but you know, my, my beard is really thick, like around my mouth and you know, my lower part of my jaw, my neck, but it starts thinning out as I get up to my sideburn area. So I could never, you know, sufficiently grow anything like that. And I, I was envious of it. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I was always envious of, of people that could grow thick, full beards. If I could, I would. Instead, I just look a little, I, right now my beard gets thick and heavy down here and I end up looking like a homeless person. So. Kind of always imagine now that my, now that my beard, like you got a great beard, dude, if I could have grown your beard out, I'd always would have had a beard, but it, it's just not that attractive. And now that my beard is white, I look like the old man of the sea, you know, between my white beard and my white hair, that's all you see. And if you put a light in front of me, like when we're streaming this, I look like a fucking hudcap with glasses. That's tremendous. So. I always imagined you as more of a soul patch guy. I could see you with a soul patch down here and a beret talking about your wee wee and all that. Well, I've grown goatees before, you know, I, in a, off and on, you know, throughout my television career, I would wear a goatee and I'm cool with that. But again, now it's all like white and shit. So it's just not that attractive. I only shave once a week. It's when we do this show. Like if you catch me when I'm doing something during the middle of the week after we've done, you know, our podcast or after we've done something on ad freeze, then I'll let my beard grow out. But it's it just not an attractive look. Triple H, on the other hand, he's sporting that beard. 
which is the same beard he had as a baby face, the same beard as he had as heels, whatever. What could you expect anything different? Did you what what's going on with Tajiri today? Do you know? Really yeah, talented he's, dude. He's still around. WWE? I don't I don't even know. Oh no, he's wrestling uh in Japan. Amazingly talented dude and funny as hell. I mean, he's he's a great character. He was. It probably still is, but in Japan. Only 50 years old, too. Young spring chicken by wrestling standards. He should be wrestling a main event somewhere. He's uh, doing some all Japan uh, stuff last I heard, but I'm sure he's probably doing some stuff outside of that as well. He did a decent kick there by Tajiri. Uh, Decent, not great. Decent. Who gets the win here? Do you know? Do you remember? Oh God! Roll the credits. We're not going to beat that. Oh God! Uh, Meltzer, uh, God damn! I, I, we cover the Observer so much. Wait. Well, we've been doing this for two years, and we use you know the Wrestling Observer and Dave Meltzer as the premise for all of our discussions. So it's not surprising that it happens. Don't James Caldwell from the Torch wrote: WWE undertook an ambitious task of weaving the ridiculous Eric Bischoff trial by trash throughout the show, but came up short. Vince looked like a kid trying to play dress up while assuming the role of judge in the fantasy world that McMahon lives in. The segment in the courtroom was cheesy, cute, ridiculous, and overbearing all at once. Maria was the star. However, the endless segments meant more McMahon than anyone bargained for. And another sign the McMahon family believes their presence on the show is more important than focusing on the rest, focusing on the wrestlers who would draw for the promotion. I thought we advanced past this stage after the Jim Ross fiasco. Apparently that was the only stage one for McMahon. The hipster image is his current task in life. The iPod, the tapping of the feet to John Cena's entrance music, the Ashley Simpson reference two weeks after mocking, delivering props to John Cena and that rap thing, McMahon has gone overboard trying to act cool. The, I can't believe I'm writing this moment for me actually didn't want to see Eric Bischoff leave. He overacted in skits as GM throughout his tenure, but he provided a good foundation for John Cena. To build credibility as champion, despite being exponentially weaker than the Austin McMahon and the attitude era heyday, the Cena Bischoff stuff really worked on a smaller scale. Yeah. Right. But I mean, the criticism, I was just, it's funny because in what, you know, I, I said, setting this up, you know, Vince isn't acting when I said, he's not a great actor. That's not a criticism, by the way, he's playing himself with the volume turned up, which is not easy, but what you're seeing here is we're watching. If you're watching along, uh, Oh God, what was it? The boogeyman uh, has worms boogeyman. hanging out of his nose. This is awesome. This is awesome. Well, well produced. Whoever created this idea, came up with this idea, did a, did a great job. But what I what I wanted to say Nobody could have played this role better than Vince McMahon. He was so dialed in, even a lot of his improv stuff. Now, a lot of it probably had to do with the amount of time that he spent in court. And and I can relate to that, been there too, uh, or in depositions. But the dialogue was perfect. His improv was perfect. And again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I won't be redundant. It's just being negative and cynical for the sake of being negative and cynical because you think it makes you sound smarter than everybody else. And it's just silliness. If this D bag were to go back and read some of the stuff that he said while he's watching this show, um, probably would regret it. 
because none of it is true and with respect to this show. I mean, and oh, by the way, being critical of wrestling being over the top. Yeah. What? Wrestling's wrestling's always over the top. Wrestling has always been over the top. It's not a fucking documentary. It's entertainment. And yes, it's over the top. It's a nice looking arena. It's a great looking arena. Were you trying to shut me up? Is that no, I just didn't, hadn't seen the outside of the arena before. Was that like you? Who's that cutie? Rita Cosby. Rita Cosby. From MSNBC. Hey, Rita. Meltzer. Well, I did it again. Wade Keller said that she lost all credibility by appearing here as a fangirl in the front row. Like it was a Beatles concert. She didn't need any credibility. She was on MSNBC for fuck's sake. Who needs credibility? It's just fun to me. That's, you know, if you're, if you write a wrestling newsletter, you take <laughs> Ooh, if our, if irony was a commodity, you and I would be rich right now. <laughs> Uh, we got lots of questions about this show. Uh, Mike Messier wants to know, can Eric go through the garbage compactor stunt a bit more and how it was done safely without actual injury occurring? seems like all that metal and heavy uh, grinding gears could be very dangerous. It was interesting. Um, you want me to do it right now or save it to the end of the show? No, we can save it to the end of the show for sure. But let's, let's go ahead and track Maria. She was supposedly the star of the show here. I'm at 101, 14, 15, 16, 17. Sorry if we don't perfectly align, but here's the audio with Maria doing a little spin for the crowd here. Now, Maria, what we'd all like to know, I think, is what your honest. Um, Mick, Mick, could you please ask me with Mr. Sacco? <laughs> what did I tell you? This ought to be good. <laughs> If it pleases the court, I'd like to add a proceed sock to the prosecutorial team. There it is. This is awesome. Now, Maria, I'd like to know your honest opinion of Eric Bischoff's performance as general manager of Raw. <laughs> Last week, Eric Bischoff abused his power in a way that was malicious and capricious. It is this rash discourse that has ultimately led to a locker room of disdain and mutiny and should be grounds for his immediate dismissal. No further questions. You may step down. What my staying? Yeah, she was smoking, wasn't she? And this is when we talk about a great scene. And for me, like go ahead. What I like is Maria was, you know, the, the, the perception, her character was an airhead, just an hot, smoking hot, white hot, smoking hot, you know, young lady that couldn't string a coherent sentence together. And she comes out and she wants to be questioned by Mr. Sacco, which reinforces the depth of her stupidity. And then she responds like a college professor. Yeah. That's entertaining. Come yes, on. That's great stuff. 
Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work. So get a quote at Geico.com. Easy. The most hated jeweler in America makes holiday shopping easy. Steven Singer has the perfect gift for that special someone who's the center of your universe. The one who your whole world revolves around. That person who's the star of your love story. Show her it's her with Steven's brand new exclusive star of love diamond necklace. Picture it. A star necklace covered in real sparkling diamonds with an open heart in the center. This beautiful necklace is just $128 plus fast and free shipping in time for Christmas. Great jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Buy real jewelry from a real jeweler you can trust. Steven Singer is not in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. It's easy. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the star of love diamond necklace. Steven's real expert jewelers are available seven days a week to help you. In his showroom at the other corner of the eighth and Walnut in Philly by appointment only or through email, chat, phone, text, or virtual video appointments, real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's I hate Steven singer.com story architecture requires that a story threads from beginning to middle to end. That's how you grow an audience during the course of an hour, as opposed to getting a big tune in leveling off throughout the middle of the show. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky and it's sheer luck and coincidence more than it is design, maybe bumping your number towards the end for the main event. Whereas good storytelling in a good thread, whether it's with dialogue, is this in the case uh, of this courtroom scene is, or whether it's just following the interaction between the principles of a story throughout the entire episode leading to a crescendo at the end. That's simple, basic, fundamental storytelling that will never, ever, ever change. Whether it's a book, an infomercial, a movie, or in yes, indeed, a wrestling show. No, nothing's changed in terms of the audience. What's changed is the discipline or lack thereof amongst the people that produce it. I am never going to get a call to go anywhere again to appear on any wrestling show for the rest of my life. But you know what? I'm good with that. I was going to say, uh, given that travel debacle you had most recently, you're probably fine with that. It's not just that. I mean, I, I, I look, and I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to lie. I enjoy whether if I get a phone call from WWE and they offer me an opportunity to do something as they have, some of it, I do some of it. I don't, and it has more to do with timing in my schedule and what's going on in my life than anything else. It's not me being a bitch or a diva. Uh, same with AEW. I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to go perform in AEW because I love to perform, but I also know that she, you know, my train has left the station. You know, my, my time is over and I'm, I, you know, I'm happy with that. I'm good, not happy, but you know, I'm good with it. I'm very comfortable with it. And if I never appear in front of a camera again, I'll be disappointed because I love to perform, but I'll also understand it and not take it personally. So no, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable being a hundred percent honest. Talk to me a little bit about Kurt angle. We're seeing uh Kurt angles in the ring. Now Carlito's making his way down. Carlito picked up a big win the week before or had a big match the week before with Shawn Michaels and finally got kicked with that super kick. Um, 
but I wanted to talk about Kurt angle. And I know this is the silliest question ever, but I've never talked to Kurt about this. Uh, his Olympic gold medal that he wears to the ring here. I mean, it says Atlanta 96 and the whole deal. Like they don't get a tight shot of it, but kind of looks like the real one. Do you think he made all these shots carrying around his real Olympic gold medal? It feels like to me, you would have had to immediately make a replica. You don't want to risk losing that thing through all these fucking airlines, right? That'll be a good question if we ever get a chance to talk to Kurt, but I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. I, and I think because I, I, and I never asked, but the reason I didn't ask is because I assumed it's a gimmick. You did that. Well, nobody would do that, but you no. know, Kurt's is Kurt's a, he's his own <laughs> dude, you know, and, and maybe he did. I don't know, but it's a great question. Dude. I mean, first of all, nobody we know besides Kurt is ever getting an Olympic gold medal. But to me, like that goes in a fucking bank vault somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, but when they got a tight shot of it, I guess I never really noticed. And maybe this is just because, you know, he posted a picture of his gold medal in his Christmas tree this year for fun on social media. And I I got to see, you know, not the actual medal, but the ribbon it's on and the way it's embroidered. And it says Atlanta 96. I'm like, dude, that looks like the same. Is that the real one? Like, there's no way he's got the real one here at a wrestling show. Like he had to fly here and check bags and there's carry ons and it's going to be left in the backstage or the ringside area. Forget all that. I got to have a, an exact replica made, please. And thank you. You know, I don't wear jewelry. I just, I never really, I've tried, you know, different periods of my life, you know, someone to give me a really nice, you know, Harvey Schiller gave me a Rolex, you know, at one point and somebody else gave me another really nice, even nicer Rolex than Harvey Schiller did. And I, I gave my first Rolex to my son because uh, I never wore it. And the, the other one is, you know, it's in a safe somewhere and I never wear it. I, I don't wear a wet wedding ring. I don't wear a necklace. Um, but if I want a gold medal, I'd probably, I'd probably have that thing on me all the time. Like Mrs. B would go, would you get that thing off? It's hit me in the chin. You're not going to knock my teeth out. <laughs> and I'd wear it to bed at night if you get the picture. But, um, yeah, I mean, if if it is real and he actually wore it to the ring, I understand it. Did I lose you, Conrad? No, I'm. I'm did just, I lose you with the hit? You're hitting me in the teeth with your gold medal comment. I'm sorry if I did. No, not at all. Let's talk about some other questions that we got about this. Mitch wants to know: Was anyone in WWE hotter than Maria at this time? I feel like you answered your own question a minute ago. Well, I'm, you know. Full disclosure, I, I, Tori Wilson to me was the, she was the measuring stick. In my opinion, we all have different tastes. Maybe because Maria is so young, you know. I remember one of the last times I went to a strip club, it was a long time ago. And, and I, you know, I, I, I would occasionally visit a strip club now and then. <laughs> And I remember the last time I walked in, this is maybe 15 years ago, I think. Uh, I walked in and went, every one of these girls looked like they could be one of my daughter's friends. And I felt instantly pervy. And I walked out. And I've never walked in back one. And I think it's just because, you know, when you reach a certain age, what you find attractive is different. Um for some people, unfortunately for others, it just never changes. But uh, for me, Tori Wilson, just, 
she was it for me. I, I find it interesting that you think Maria's too young. Maria's only seven years younger than Tori. Seven years makes a lot of difference. Seven to, to, at a certain point in your life, you know, look, if you're 20, seven years could mean the difference between, you know, doing federal time and, 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 and registering as a sex offender, you know, um, for the rest of your life. When you're in your 30s, yeah, seven years, not quite so much. But as you get older, you know, for me, I, mean, I, I don't want to say general things, you know, different rules apply to different people. But for me, Maria just looked a little too young, maybe because I knew Tori longer and she was in, you know, we brought her into WCW and maybe I felt, you know, she was closer to my own age for that reason, even though she's probably not or wasn't. But um, yeah, Maria just, to me, she looked like a college kid. And that was kind of like, at this point in my life, I, what, how old was I here? This was 2005. What was I 50? Yeah, I think. I don't know. I have to do the math. You're a financial wizard. You do the math. Yeah, you're 55 50. You're, you're, you're 50. I don't even have a calculator in front of me. That's bad when you're so old. You got to get a calculator to figure shit out. You're 50. <laughs> By the way, uh, James had a comment here. He says, What was Eric's favorite look? Short hair and goatee has to be up there, surely. What was your favorite look here? You know, it's funny. That's a great question. You know, you, especially because we get to look back and I get to see the different stages of my, you know, my uh, evolution as a character. Um, I kind of like the look here, you know, I mean, in WCW, I go back and I look some of that stuff. And again, it's, you know, nobody likes to look at a picture of themselves from high school. Cause you just look goofy as shit. A lot of that is, you know, what was cool in my case, 1973, when I was a senior in high school looks silly today. So I got to put that into context, but, um, I, I like the cleaner, shorter hair. Um, it just looks a little bit more natural and less like I'm trying to look cool for TV. Uh, but there, you know, there was, you know, in WCW 96, 97, that's kind of how I just looked anyway. And I would have looked that way, even if I wasn't on television. So although it was natural, when I look back at it now, it's kind of like, uh, you're really close to having a mullet there, dude. And it was cool then, but not, not easy to look at today. So I, I guess I kind of like the look that I have here on, at this stage of my career. Talk about the in-ring performers here, man. Kurt Angle, Shelton Benjamin, Carlito, Shawn Michaels. This is holy crap. Quite a crew. If you could put 25% of the combined talent in this ring right now, into any given match in any company on any given night, you would have a barn burner. Yeah. These guys have forgotten more about how to put on a great match than most talents will ever experience or know. Maddie has a fun question for you. He wants to know, was there any other way you would have liked to have gone out besides the garbage truck? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I love this idea. Kind of going back to, you know, what I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, it was time, you know, I was bored with my performances because they, again, they were redundant. They were the same thing over and over and over again, or just slight variations thereof. Um, I wanted to go out in a memorable way. 
I wanted it to be positive in terms of what it contributed to the, the, the if this was going to be the last time. And look, I didn't know I was ever going to, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a TNA back then. I didn't know that there would be something called AEW back then, clearly. Um, so for me, in my mind, this was it. This was going to be the last time I'm ever going to step in front of a camera. And it was so important to me that it be the absolute best performance I was capable of of giving. And when I saw the script, and I think they emailed it to me the night before, maybe. Um, Yeah, they did. In fact, I know they did. It might have been a couple days before. Um, I looked at the script, and it was different than what we're going to see at the end. And it was one of the only times while I was in WWE for whatever it was, three or four years, that I ever picked up the phone and said, Hey, I got a different idea for this. Would you be willing to listen to it? And it was the finish. It was the garbage truck scene. Now I, I wasn't my idea for the garbage truck, by the way, I don't know whose idea that was. I'm going to hand it off to Brian Gewertz and just assume that because he was pretty much lead writer or head, head writer, I should say, um, head of creative, but it was different than the way it actually plays out. And we'll cover it maybe at the end when we see it. But no, I loved it. I thought it was perfect because I knew it would work, especially with the buildup. Oh my God, the buildup for this, the trial was so good that it absolutely set up that the, the last few moments of the third act were, were so perfectly set up that uh, I absolutely loved it. Couple more questions here. Adam wants to know what was the most fun part of the evening for Eric, the courtroom scene or the garbage truck scene? Oh, the courtroom scene was fantastic. I mean, just look at it. And there wasn't like multiple takes. It didn't take us three days to shoot this. If this would have been a television show with actors who are used to working in a traditional television environment, it would have taken two days to shoot this. We may have maybe taken two or three takes on one or two of of these little segments. Maybe. I don't think so. Insurance can be complicated, and that's why the Zebra was created. When you use the Zebra.com, insurance finally feels like it's in black and white. No more confusion, just honest rates from real companies. The Zebra is the nation's leading insurance comparison site for car and home insurance. They can help you save money today. It's so easy. Go to the Zebra.com and answer a few questions to compare accurate insurance quotes for free. The Zebra protects your personal information and make sure there's no hidden fees or surprises along the way. You can secure your insurance from the zebra.com or over the phone from one of their licensed insurance agents. With states reopening and people back on the road, the Zebra is committed to making sure you and your family are covered. How much money can you save on car or home insurance? Visit the zebra.com slash 83 weeks. That's T H E Z E B R A dot com slash 83 weeks for insurance in black and white. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast today. But the biggest part of it was because it was written so well. Had this thing not been written so well, had this thread not been so well produced, nobody would be looking back at this and saying, wow, that was really good. It would have been, God almighty, I can't believe they wasted 31 minutes on this garbage. And, you know, a cynical dirt sheet writer may take that approach, which is natural for them to do that because that's who they are. But any objective person looking at this would recognize it for an incredibly well-written, well-executed story within a 
larger, larger story. What do you think of this match? You know, we've got uh good storytelling with this whole Shelton Benjamin, Shawn Michaels thing coming to a head. You know, what's fun Conrad about doing these watch alongs for me is because I'm not listening to them. I'm only able to watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously it would be distracting if we had the audio going while we're doing this, but what's really interesting to me is when you can just watch something and be thoroughly entertained by it without being able to hear a word because the facial expressions in the match, obviously, but the facial expressions and the way the performers are emoting and reacting to each other tells you the story. You don't even, you could not even know anything about the setup for the story going into it. And you would get what's going on in each of the talents minds because they did such a great job. Vince is here in his full gown. You know, we've been talking about the courtroom scene all day. Did you tape those earlier this same day or the day before? Yes. No, earlier the same day, probably about if my memory is close to accurate about two hours before the show, maybe three. So you see triple H what we're looking at here. If you're not able to watch along with us is triple H, um, talking to Vince McMahon and, 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 and probably really what he's setting himself up for is some kind of a position in the, the will and Testament. Oh, listen to you. What he's actually saying is maybe you should hear from your number one guy in your company. I think Bischoff should stay because you'd rather hear from the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And, uh, Oh, I, I take everything I said back. He's being honest for the first time. I'm sorry. Do you have, do you have like uh, real life heat with Paul Levesque? No, not at all. I'm just trying to have fun. Okay. I was like, this just is trying to, just trying to entertain myself. I realized a couple, yeah, about a, six months or a year ago that if I don't have fun doing this, there's no way people listening to it are going to have any fun. So oh, God. I'm entertaining myself. Some of those first shows we did motherfucker. You were like, it was like a, a court deposition. Yeah. Well, there's For a lot. You, how would you like to have been me? This was like, oh, we're going to get into this someday, brother. I, I felt like I was being deposed. I'm trying anything I can to make it interesting. I felt like you were Jerry McDivitt. That's the idea. It was horrible for me until I figured it out. It took me a while. I figured it out. When I wanted, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an attorney when I grew up and then I met Michael Dawkins and changed my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I did too. For a while, there was a moment in time where I wanted to be an attorney because I like to argue shit. So here we go. Let's track it here. We got Mick Foley in the ring. Hey to Devarius Kurt Angles. Referee Erica Bischoff has abused his power for too long. You've got the truck. For the love of God, let's use it. Your Honor, it is time to take out the trash. <laughs> I am Mr. <laughs> look, look at Vince's face. Your Honor, thank you very much. When this that. You want to represent yourself. At this point, I think I should. Vince, you you may consider my tenure here as a general manager to be some kind of a joke. But I don't. I mean, it's true. Since I've been here, I've done some horrible things. Some of them to members of your own family. 
<laughs> but Vince, you told me before I came here that controversy creates cash. And since I've been here, you can't deny I've created a ton of both. Now, it's true. It's true. I, I don't give a damn about these people. But I do care. I do care about their money. And this I've proven time and time and time again that Eric Bischoff knows how to separate these people from their cash. You want proof? You want proof? I'll give you proof. Ask Blue Chew. <laughs> Think about it. It's, it's fight pay-per-view buy rates. It's sold out arenas all over the country. It's been turned into games. Ask Nitsa. Train wrecks are down 30%. <laughs> still the general manager of Raw. I say we have the Elimination Chamber headline. The next. You know who these people hate more than me? Steven Singer. Elimination Chamber match. For the <laughs> and because of, because of me, there are more guys walking around right now with shaved no, balls no. than any time in history, thanks to Manscaped. Vince, <laughs> Vince, you and I, deep down inside, we're a lot alike. It's true. We maybe we're both hated in this industry, but more important. I love Vince's quizzical look when he said, "Maybe we're both hated." And he looks like what? Who could possibly hate me? He's so good. He was so good here. So Vince, what do you say? Please let me keep my job as general manager of Raw, and together, together. You and I will make a fortune. Well, I was half right. <laughs> when you uh, <laughs> just back up here, I have to take all this under consideration. No doubt about that. So out comes John Cena. They saved him for the very last moment on the show. Big heroes. Welcome. And of course you're objecting because you've had a long feud with him. What do you think of the spinner belt? The same thing I thought about Jeff Hardy's, you know, belt and TNA. It's just, eh, it's just not me. You know, I reconcile every day that my taste in a lot of things is just different than probably the taste from most of mainstream, most of the mainstream audience, because you just, I like what I like. You know, I like traditional kind of things and the big gold belt or variations thereof that reminds me of, you know, when heavyweight champion boxers were proud of their belts and they were big and kind of ornate. I, I, I just dig that. The spinner belt was like, it was like a hubcap mounted to a leather strap. I just didn't really like it. If you're looking for a special gift for someone this holiday season, something really unique and personal, man, we've got a great idea for you. Of course, we're talking about paintyourlife.com. You can have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from any photo at an affordable price. Here's how this works. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you start by going to paintyourlife.com. Check out how easy this is. You can send any picture of kids, yourself, family, a special place, a special pet. You can even combine photos into one painting. They even offer a compilation portrait at paint your life. So you can bring family members together who never had a chance to meet. 
So maybe if your grandkids never met their grandparents, boom, you're good to go. You can even create a portrait of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there. How cool is that? You get to work with a team of world-class artists, pick the right one for you and work with them until every detail is perfect. By the way, to get started, we're talking less than five minutes and you get this portrait in about three weeks. It's meaningful. It's personal. It can be cherished forever. And it makes the perfect holiday gift for someone you love or for yourself. I have given this multiple occasions. I'm doing it again this year. I can't recommend it enough. This is a home run gift for someone special in your life. If you want to give a truly meaningful and personal gift that they'll never get rid of and never forget who gave it to them, doesn't get better than paintyourlife.com. And at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right. 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word Eric to 64,000. That's Eric to 64,000. Text E-R-I-C to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Well, I think the people here have summed up your career in two letters. F. U. Well, uh... I think I will take it to the people. How many here would like to see the WWE Championship defended in an elimination chamber? No one cares. Not bad, pretty convincing. No, it wasn't. I guess, Eric, what you say has merit. Therefore, at the next pay-per-view, New Year's Revolution, we will see the WWE title defended inside the Elimination Chamber. You will all see it. I will see it. Millions all over the world will see it. It's just uh, unfortunate, Mr. Bischoff, that you won't. And of course, famously, Eric, you've told us before the original script called for John Cena to throw you in the trash, but maybe you made the suggestion that it should be Vince who threw you in the trash, right? Yeah, because, and again, you know, I had no idea what the future was going to hold at this point. Didn't really even think about it, but I was in my mind, at least this is the last time I was ever going to appear in WWE and someone told me a long time ago, the end of a story always hangs on the very beginning of a story. They have to be really well connected. And I thought the beginning of my story in WWE didn't start in WWE. It started in WCW. The reason I ended up in WWE is because of that story in WCW and the, the animosity and the, you know, some of it real, some of it not, you know, the heat between or the battle between Vince McMahon and I, and 
I thought if we're going to end this story, let's let the end hang on the beginning. And that beginning is Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon. So as cool as it would have been as a moment for John Cena, it wouldn't have been that valuable for John Cena. John Cena beating the shit out of Eric Bischoff. Actually, while it may have satiated the audience's appetite to see the heel get, you know, his comeuppance in this case, me, um, it wouldn't have really ended the story the way in my mind, at least the story should have ended. And that was just what I made is I, I, I called in and said, uh, maybe it might, we'll do everything. I love this. I loved it, you know, and I wasn't bullshitting him, but maybe it would be better if it was you, Vince, that took me off and, you know, threw me in a dump truck and drove me out of the arena. That way, the, the, the beginning of my story in WWE and the end of my story in the WWE, because context is king, made more sense. And that's the way it ended. And it was, I think it was perfect. So tell us the magic of uh, the garbage compactor stunt. Well, like I said, they, they sterilized the hell out of it. Um, as I said, at the beginning of this podcast, and if you, you know, you go back and you watch the show on the WWE network, you'll see there was a, at some point in the beginning of the show, there was a tight shot of that garbage that was in the back of the truck. It's not really garbage. Well, all, uh, it, no, it wasn't. Well, it was technically, I guess it was because they went out and bought a bunch of things, uh, bags of Doritos or whatever the hell it was, you know, 12 packs of soft drinks, whatever was in there took out all the product, crushed it all up, put it in the sanitized truck. So while it looked like garbage, um, it was stuff that literally just came off a shelf. So it, it, it was easy. Um, I did have to, you know, the garbage truck operator did early on say to me, look, when you go in here, this giant metal compactor is going to come down. Now we're not going to bring it all the way in and, you know, scoop all the garbage into the back of the truck the way we normally do to pack it full we're just going to close it we won't retract it but make sure there's nothing hanging out when you hit that where the 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 bed of garbage in there kind of tuck yourself as far back as you can to avoid any chance of having that giant compactor come down on you or around you so i did that um and the truck drove off and this is really kind of I don't know. Now that I think about it, I hadn't really thought about it until just a second. The truck drove off. And again, you'd have to be inside of my head, but I really believe this is it. This is the end of my career. And I was fine with it. I was actually relieved and grateful for it. But it's, there's that moment when you go, wow, this, this is it. And I, the truck drove back. Vince got out about the same time that I was, they pulled up the compactor and I crawled out of the truck and I looked over at Vince and he looked back at me and I went, meaning, you know, good. And he gave me a thumbs up and I went back and got my bag and jumped in my car. And that was it. I rode off into the sunset. You know, I know obviously I came back and I did, but I didn't know I was going to come back at any point. I thought, wow, this is it. I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I didn't go hug anybody. I didn't go shake anybody's hands. Not because I was angry, just because I thought, okay, it's, this is it. It was, it's been, it's been a fun ride. You know, that three or four years, whatever it was that I spent there was really enjoyable for me. It fulfilled way beyond, way beyond fulfilled. It exceeded any expectations I had, you know, my first day on the job. 
And I felt like I accomplished what I intended to accomplish when I was talking with Vince McMahon on the phone about the possibility of coming in. That if I could end my career on a positive note as a performer, nothing else matters. None of the bad things about WCW while they existed and were never going to go away and history will record them for what they were, as well as the good things. None of that mattered to me in that particular moment. And that moment is kind of sad as it sounds, because now when I look back and I go, well, God, you know, it would have been nice if somebody would have come up and said, hey, thank you for everything you've done. And, you know, good luck to you in the future and your future endeavors. Nobody did. Nobody said goodbye. Nobody came back to pat me on the back. Not that I needed it, but it would have, I think, been probably what one would expect. Um, but it didn't bother me. I just felt like, wow, I did it. I accomplished exactly what I set out to accomplish. And because I was so happy about that, I didn't even really think about what didn't happen until just now. It's why I love doing this show with you because it's it, it it allows me to go back and look at things like this and have the advantage of, I guess, the maturity or the experience or whatever um, that I have now looking back at things that I did then. And it helps me appreciate them more. Well, we're going to appreciate this, uh, Michael Hayes promo. Uh, I want to play it all the way through and you and I give a, a reaction on the other side, but first I want to remind everybody Starcade 99 is next week. There's 13 matches on this, uh, Vince Russo card. Uh, of course, famously Eric went home August or September. He's going to be back the following April. Your main event is Bret Hart and Goldberg for the world title. We've also got Benoit and Jarrett for the U S championship. A power bomb match with Nash and Sid, a match between Sting and Lex Luger, a crowbar and a pole match with DDP and <laughs> David Flair, a bunkhouse brawl match with Dustin Rhodes and uh, Jeff Jarrett, creative control and Kurt Henning taking on Harlem Heat. Vampiro is going to work with Dr. Death and then he's going to get a few minutes with Oklahoma. Revolution will take on Jim Duggan and the Varsity Club. Norman Smiley is in there with Ming. Medusa is working with Evan Courageous. And the Mama Lukes are going to be working with Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue. 13 matches next week here on the show. But now let's get to Michael P.S. Hayes promo. Before I'm we do that, Conrad, I want to warn everybody that's listening that, that is likely going to tune in and listen when we do that show. I'm going to apologize in advance for drinking as heavily as I'm going to be drinking while we're covering this show, just it's the holiday season. I'm inclined to have a cocktail or two anyway, just tis the season, but listening to this rundown, um, I'm going to need some chemical support and that will come by way of a, probably a freshly purchased bottle of Jameson. I'm all about it. Let's get to uh, 46 minutes and 21 seconds, Eric, if you want to watch along with me. That's just a random. What's the, what's, the, what's the time code, buddy? 46 minutes, 21 seconds. 40, 46. 46, 21. A little too far. Not far enough. You know what? Just roll with it, brother. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. Oh, that has got to be the biggest meltdown in the history. Yeah, I mean, talk about tarnishing your legacy, nature boy. Hey. Look at this. Oh, what do we have here? Bartles and James. Oh, what, what? Vince, the, Vince, the boss, he wants me to come to the back. I've gone too far, have I? 
What? I think you people need to be introduced. What we have here is the free bird, Michael P.S. Hayes. And Mr. Yo Joe himself, Sergeant Slaughter. Or AKA two legends that currently earn a check by kissing Vince McMahon's ass. Oh my gosh. Oh. Well, what's the matter? Did, did she hit a nerve there, guys? Oh, what? Did I Truth hurt your feelings? Man. Oh. You look a little dumbfounded, guys, but I'm used to seeing that expression on your faces. It's not time for me to go, but wait, Michael. Michael, I get it, I get it. Somebody told you that I had a bottle of Jack Daniels and an eight ball down here, didn't they? <laughs> I said, let's go. The boss said the show's over. I don't care what the boss said. The boss needs to get out here, out here and tell me himself. I don't care what you say. I don't care. What, what you... is it with you kids today? I swear to God, I just don't get it. You come out here running your mouth. You don't care about anybody. You don't care about anything. And you sure as hell don't have respect for the business that he and I and people like Ric Flair built so you can have what you got today. There you go. You walk around in your damn rented cars that are waiting for you, your guaranteed contracts, and your guaranteed days off. Well, I'll tell you something about Ric Flair. He's not my best friend, but I respect him. I respect that he has given his life for this business. I respect that he has bled and sweat for this business. And as a 16-time world champion, you know what? I'm going to give Ric Flair the benefit of the doubt. Something I'm not going to give you. And you want to know something, pal? You want to ask all the questions, the tough ones? How about this one? How many times have you been in the main event? How many times have you sold out the arena and turned them away? And now I got the best one for you. You want to ask questions? Here's one for you. How many times have you been world champion. This is oh, so good. Let me do the math for you. Let me do the math because it won't take long. Zero. Okay, that's it. That's it. Cut his mic. No, that's Cut not his mic. it. You brought Cut his this mic. on yourself. This is my show. Cut his mic. That's right. Your mic's cut because this is my show. Quit spitting on me. It's my show. Let's go. Best friend Terry Gordy. That's right, I'm going there. See, where is your best friend? Where is Terry? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's right, Michael. Terry Gordy's dead. Wow. Wow. How much you want to bet? You son of a bitch. The only 
only reason that you've got like this show is because you're banging Matt Hardy's ex-girlfriend. Now left. To a corner, and he went out and did this promo. This was outstanding, was it not? Oh, my God. You know, I didn't, I didn't see this when it was happening for obvious reasons. I was busy doing other stuff. But this is just... And then how about the, the Hayes line of the only reason you got this show is because you're banging Matt Hardy's ex-girlfriend. I mean, you know, I was going to make, I didn't want to interrupt what we were watching or listening to in, in this case. Um, cause I didn't want to take anything away from it, but you know, here's, here's magic right before our eyes yeah. know, our ears, depending on whether or not you got to watch along with it. Um, taking truth, taking reality and weaving it into story to help make what you're watching believable. Man, this was impressive. Please, if you're a wrestling fan, if you have not, for whatever reason, ordered the WWE Network, I don't care if you order it for a month and then cancel it, please go back and watch this. Please look at the elements and the passion and the structure of the story not only on the entire show, but in that promo, in that scene with, with Michael Hayes in Edge and Lita, please go back and watch that because therein lies the answer. You know, not the only answer, but therein lies a big part of the answer of, of what makes this business work when it works at its best. It's so good. So good. I don't know that it's going to look like that next week when we watch Starcade 99, but I can't wait to do it with you. Don't forget the following week we're doing Starcade 2000. That'll be the very last Starcade and then we'll finish up the year on December 28th, Starcade 1991. It's Eric's first Starcade. Uh we, we hope you'll join us and uh, watch the video of these shows and get them early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. Uh, we're even offering an annual thing right now where you can go ahead and sign up for a whole year in advance. You'll get a discount, but you'll also get an exclusive comic book, uh, that we're not selling anywhere else. Uh, and it's going to have your favorite podcast co-host positioned as superhero characters. Pretty cool little deal. Check it out over at adfreeshows.com. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Eric, you want to help me put a bow on this? Uh, Eric is fired. Raw is war. No, I just, you know, and maybe it's a holiday season, you know, between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, I always kind of genuflect word of the day here on 83 weeks genuflect and and think back about the things that i'm really grateful for and having the opportunity to be a part of this show especially in that scene that the way it was laid out to be able to experience that and now in my case however 15 years later to go back and watch it and enjoy it as much as i do i'm really really grateful for that it's just it's awesome it's really awesome so thank you for bringing it up and thanks to everybody that's been listening to it and, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Bob Ryder, a guy who's gone way too soon had a really tough battle with cancer and, uh, hopefully he's finally now found some peace, but boy, what an important figure behind the scenes in professional wrestling. Just ask anybody who worked with him from abyss to Jeremy Borash to Jeff Jarrett, to Bruce Pritchard to Vince McMahon on and on and on. He was important not only for impact wrestling, but WCW ECW it's a sad story, but rest in peace, Mr. Ryder. And, uh, it should serve hopefully as a reminder to everybody as we enter the holiday season here, 
be a little sweeter, be a little nicer. Tell the people you love how important they are because, uh, you never know when it could be your last Thanksgiving or your last Christmas, or your last holiday season with them. And I hope the next year things are a little more back to normal, but I guess loss is a part of life, but this loss of Bob Ryder is going to be one that the internet wrestling community mourns for a long, long time. God bless Bob. See you next week, boys and girls right here on 83 weeks. Perhaps the best way to introduce a friend to 83 weeks is to direct them to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button right now. It's totally free. You get a sneak peek of upcoming shows, plus some exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. And perhaps best of all, some great new giveaways coming your way. Absolutely for free. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and be sure to check out the shirts over at ericbischoff.com. If it's been a while, we need to remind you we're adding new ones all the time. Plus there's tons of new gimmicks at boxofgimmicks.com. Like right now, we have some of Dave Silva's cover art on posters, lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the 83 weeks community. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Of course, ericbischoff.com and who could forget boxofgimmicks.com. And Hey, if you'd like to advertise your product or service here on the show and hear Eric Bischoff brag about you or your business. It's easy to make that happen. Just go to advertisewithconrad.com. Tell him you'll be glad you did. Okay. Stop what you're doing. Listen very, very carefully. The most hated jeweler in America is excited to introduce you to someone very special. Oh, she's beautiful, classy. She's brilliant. She will dazzle you. People just can't stop staring at her. Meet Krista. And she's easy. Wait, what? Krista is Steven Singer's most loved engagement ring, and it takes the stress and guesswork out of finding the perfect ring. A bright white, 100% eye-flawless, near-colorless, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond, expertly set into a classic solitaire Tiffany setting that will withstand the test of time. Krista's available. She's ready for love, and she's ready to meet you. Steven Singer isn't in the jewelry business. He's in the love business. This magnificent full one-carat round brilliant diamond is only $3,198. Real jewelry doesn't have to be expensive. Plus, free shipping, and get this, 12 months interest-free financing. Steven's showroom is open by appointment only, or you can go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on the Krista Ready for Love engagement ring. Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelry, real experts for your real love. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to remind you, don't put Christmas on a credit card. Instead, get rid of all that credit card debt right now, once and for all, and even skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. It really is that simple. In just about 10 minutes, we're going to show you how much you can save for free. It's no cost, no obligation. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time, but we're licensed in more than 40 states and ready to hook you up. Go check out our five-star reviews over at savewithconrad.com and then get a quick quote and find out how much money you can save for free. We've helped thousands of our podcast listeners, just like you, save their family tens of thousands of dollars. 
50, 60, 70, 80, even 100,000 bucks you can save. And it just takes about 10 minutes to get started right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. You know what to do. Go to SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.